the garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your host, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, Mid-South Gardeners, and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. You're in the garden with Veda from Palladio in Memphis. Yep, and in Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers, and our good friend and co-host of the show, Mr. Jim Crowder, is not here again this morning. He'll be here next weekend. Miss Veda, and we miss him. Yeah, but, we um, do. He can share the Florida landscape with us, I guess. I talked to him briefly yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, he went down to the coast. Yeah. The Florida coast, like you just said. And when he first got down there, it was freezing cold. Mm-hmm. The wind was howling 30 miles an hour. <laughs> and then it started raining. And then he said the fog moved in. And then the waves were just crashing oh. <laughs> over the sand. It's like it's been the probably the worst week. Uh-huh. Now, if you don't mind being indoors mm-hmm. and enjoying the scenery, if yeah. you can, fine. Right, right. But you know what? Mm. Yeah. No. Because I like, that's the whole, one of the whole purposes, especially this time of year is to go down there and just get warm just get warm and and feel the sun and and all that experience he just got to experience the same weather <laughs> we, if he had a state in memphis that we had but like i told jim i said you're not down there laying the sun anyway yeah. you know so he's having a great time he said uh, they're driving back today and he'll be here uh next saturday all so right. and then I, of course he made the comment once again mm-hmm. that he'll have to go listen to the podcast right, right. to see if there's any misinformation yes. that we gave out that yeah. he can correct us on right i'm right. like please mm, come on jim <laughs> <laughs> just text us right now if, oh he's probably not up listening not, i don't know though he always gets up yeah early. he gets up early so anyway wow but okay. what about um you know can i say this as far as damage assessment mm-hmm. from the no, no. really cold that we had, right. um, you know, and like I said, people were freaking out, which they should have. Mm-hmm. I would be too, you know, after what happened a year ago. But uh, you know, the only thing that I saw that I saw some damage on were two things. One were some boxwoods where I saw some burn on them. Okay, uh, yeah. not the you know kill mm-hmm. that we saw you know a year ago, but I, I did see some uh, a act a picture a gentleman brought to me. Had a boxwood hedge. Yeah. And the top of the hedge was burned. Yeah. I mean, it was burned. Yeah. I saw that's actually what it's like at Palladio, too. We've got a boxwood hedge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk about it. I remember looking up yesterday at the hedge. I wasn't totally paying attention to the hedge because this lady mm-hmm. was coming in to park her vehicle, you know, just park mm-hmm. up in the parking lot. It lurched on her. Uh oh. It, it just, it was like a malfunction and she just kept going. And it ran into the big iron fence. Oh, wow. I mean, and knocked our urns over and all that. Mm-mm. And it's incredible the damage that was not done to the vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> I went over and looked. I was like, are these iron things fake? <laughs> but no, things they were happen. real. Yeah. Oh, she was so good, though. She goes, well. So you're paying attention to that instead of your yeah, boxwood so, but hedge. I, but see, out of all that, I still glance over and go, hmm, winter burn, and then come back. Yes, but I, I really issue. think that's more superficial than mm-hmm. anything. And then the, uh, you tell you another thing that I saw damage on, Veda. <laughs> Uh, my wife made me made me mm-hmm. uh, go do some grocery <laughs> shopping last night, and we were at a uh, uh, a grocery store. And in the parking lot, I noticed about a month ago they had some encore azaleas that were blooming. Okay, okay, full bloom. Yeah. 
Well, I walked by these things last night, mm-hmm. and they look like death on a cracker, as Mr. Jamie oh. would say. <laughs> right. Okay. I mean, the blooms, of course, were fried. Uh-huh. There was no foliage huh. on it. I mean, wow. the foliage was gone. Um, so I kind of reached down there real quick as I was walking mm-hmm. in, just kind of scratched the limb, and it felt dry and brittle. <laughs> and I'm thinking, why? Because if you look up Encore Zayas, mm-hmm. most of them, and I know there's a ton of varieties out there, but most of them are cold hearted yeah. down to zone six. Maybe they had gotten too dry and then they were blooming like crazy in defense, like they were going to pop, <clears throat> re- try to repopulate, and then it got cold. And well, that's everything. I just mean, that's happened. definitely a theory, but yeah, it also the could be that these things are in a bed that are surrounded by a building, mm-hmm. concrete, asphalt. Yeah, pollution. S- well, but it, but it could have been that this it was in a microclimate. I mean, it was very warm. You know, it was because yeah. you know all of that absorbs heat. Right, right. And I just wonder if it was artificially. Like oh, in a, a in an open one. greenhouse, true, if you will. True, that's good. That's and then, good. you know, we get this really, really, you know, zero degree temperatures. Mm-hmm. I mean, but they look horrible. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I have to keep my eyes on these right. things to see if they pull through. But I was just thinking, no, not mm-hmm. that's the only encores that I've seen that. Yeah. That look like that. Yeah, I'm thinking because just driving around town and all nothing really stands out. That we had issues with, so maybe that was a microenvironment thing. But I did do some research on encores last night, uh-huh. and I was just thinking, are there any varieties that are less hardy mm-hmm. than others? And depending on what article you read, you know, there are some, like, top 12 that are the most cold hardy. Yeah. I mean, down to, like, minus 5 degrees. But, out of, you know, there were 28 varieties that were hardy at least down to zero degrees. Uh-huh. So I don't yeah, think I it's they just were hardy, yeah. Right? So I don't think it's just the cold. Yeah. So it we'll see. I mean, but you know, hopefully, if you've got some encores and they look like the ones I saw last night, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hopefully they're still go, even going to flush out. So you know, we'll see. Right. Now with this rain and the warmer weather that we've had, I mm-hmm. think that's good. Yeah. Now, yeah. You know, we went from <laughs> you know freezing to rain all week, yeah. but. Um, I'm not complaining about the rain at this point. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, we pulled uh, things back out of the greenhouse, like the evergreens. You know, the evergreens are fine. And we just, actually, we didn't take them all the way down the hill to the greenhouse. We just put them on pallets and put them in the warehouse because it's closer to the garden center courtyard <clears throat> part. So we had them in the warehouse through that time frame. But then we just pulled them back out and that so you can have some nice evergreen around. Because yesterday I felt like we were springing it. Mm-hmm. felt like spring blooming camellias mm-hmm. i had them all around the door we're walking out in short sleeves and it's <laughs> raining and i'm going i feel like spring not quite yet but also <laughs> Don't even say that you know let them get a good soaking also from mm-hmm. this good rain so i know i mean you know too much of a good thing is a bad thing right and i'm yeah. getting to that point when it comes to all this moisture but there again this time of year um it doesn't really bother me veda and it's not mm-hmm. really hurting anything yeah now if you've got boxwoods out there or auto-looking laurels or dogwoods or pecan trees or anything else that just hates wet feet, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you better make sure you've got good drainage. So Ooh, That is going to be something because we have had a tremendous amount of rain on top of the snow. Right. But, you know, what is, I was surprised. Do you remember the formulation or remember, like, six inches of snow equals an inch of water yeah, or something right. like that? Right. So even though we got a lot of snow... Probably not as much water as we're thinking. But yeah, everything is really sloppy <laughs> right now. It's hardly 
It's like I need to call um, a lady yesterday that bought shrubs and all. She's so excited. She wanted to get stuff in the ground and everything. I'm all excited with her. It was the end of the day. She went home, and then I started thinking, I better call her mm. because I wonder if, you know, sometimes you just want to so bad that you're going to plant in conditions that are not conducive. The only, only way it would work is if her beds were raised, maybe they were covered. Even then, uh, yeah. is, that soil's going to be pretty darn wet. Yeah, so um, I need to call. Because it's first, you won't be able to mix it properly. No, and that's yeah. the thing. You know, if the soil is wet, you never want to dig a hole mm-hmm. if the ground, if the soil is mucky. Yeah. Uh, you won't, because when you add your amendments, which typically we have to around here to, mm-hmm. you know, amend our clay soil, you want it to be homogenous. You want it to be where you can actually mix this product where they yeah. just blend together. Can't do that when that ground is just muddy. No. So if you're really getting the desire mm. to, <laughs> don't. And then, you know, I was walking through the courtyard saying, you know, well, I could do some cleanup or, or something. But you don't want to prune anything right now because mm-hmm. it's so wet. Unless it's, unless it's dead tissue. And you know right, it's dead tissue. Right. But I still was waiting. I wanted to prune, but it was just everything was so wet. And um, I lost it. Yeah. Well, let me say. <laughs> that, you know, like you, it would get some of the evergreens still had water on it. And then you try to prune something and it flop all over you. Well, so but also, like, fun. you know, patience is the key. Remember last year that, um, or the year ago when we did have the flash freeze. Uh, how many things looked so bad now and yeah there was a lot of damage out there that occurred but i mean a month after that event a lot of people were digging up shrubs and throwing them on the curb Mm. a lot of people were like here i'm gonna wait and see what happens yeah and then they went in there and just cut out dead tissue now a bit they might have had to cut it down a shrub like camellias Mm. for example almost to ground level same thing with sweet olives okay but they came back they came back from the root yeah so we we do really good around here, actually. But patience is a that hard is. thing. I'm telling you, sometimes when I'm out there looking at the landscape and I know that this plant's going to come yes. back, I'm like, mm, I don't know if I have the patience to oh. let it come back. Yep, I understand that. Okay, we're going to head to a break. I tell you, nice and rainy. I'm sure y'all are probably not wanting to get up, but there was a lot of traffic this morning, so people are out doing something. <laughs> so if y'all want to give us a call, 901-260-5926. <laughs> Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We almost weren't ready. Just looking at pictures, you know, I always have to come in and show pictures of what we got in at the garden center or a fountain or whatever. Looking at a nice fountain there with water trickling over them, but sounds it, it so sounds good. It sounds like rain. It does. <laughs> oh, it does. And I want to, I just love the sound of rain. Um, sitting in the truck when we got here and, you know, sitting in the truck, getting everything together. And I could hear the rain on the top, and I was like, oh, man, I want to go back to sleep. I'm glad you didn't have that small pillow with you in there. I know. Yeah, yeah, that you were docking <laughs> on the window. Hello. As Veda said, if you want to give us a call, 901-260-5926. And I know we've been talking about this for the last two or three weekends, Veda, but I want to bring it up uh, because I think it's really going to be a great event. We're talking about the Memphis Area Master Gardeners Present. Yeah. Uh, a Better Way to Garden, Seasonal Garden in um Formation. So, I mean, it's and that's February the 17th, by the way, 9 to 12 o'clock, February the 17th at the Litterman Nature Center. And they got two really good speakers, uh, Jason Powell and uh, Dr. Jared Barnes. So, yeah, mark that said, one down. Yeah, bring in a canned good for the... Uh, for the entry to, into a door prize. Yeah. Yeah, so if you bring in, I don't know what the door prize is, but bring a canned good and you'll find out. So 
mark that one down, guys. And then also, you know, we uh, talked about this last week too, the six-part series of Garden Talks uh, by Bartlett City Beautiful at the uh, Bartlett Public Library. Uh, and today is going to be the art of espalier. We talked about that. Mm. Espalier, is that right? Yeah. Am I saying that the right way? Espalier. No, yeah. it's espalier. Yeah, we just the art say, of espalier. We say espalier And that's here. with Tom Rames. And, that, uh, and that's from what starts at 2 o'clock in the meeting room at the Bartlett Public Library. Mm, that'll be a good one. Also, Botanic Gardens is seeking unwanted garden decor. Um, just for, you know, they're redoing like neoclassical columns, stone benches, stone planters. They don't have to be great. Hmm. General ruins and chunks, worn down stone pieces, any kind of folly, aesthetic, gothic, neoclassic, generally old looking. So, uh, of course, they came by to because we're definitely the place to find stuff like that. But if you have anything that fits the description um, and if you want them to pick it up. You can uh, check with the Botanic Gardens. Okay. Oh, there. I was trying to find their email. No, is this something that they are creating? Yeah. A, okay. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's uh, they're just redoing all. Yeah. You know, kind of. I don't know how the right word to say it is, but you know, gardening changes as age changes, as trends change, mm-hmm. as plants change, all that. So you know, so you're always like anybody's garden redoing sections mm-hmm. or upgrading sections so i'm looking forward to that one uh, it was a young girl that came in and you know i'm thinking oh she's in high school and she's like 25 working in the botanic gardens getting all this stuff together and i'm going wow time sure flies doesn't it <laughs> but yeah so anyway that's a good one uh, the botanic gardens if y'all have some garden decor to bring up there that would be great i mean there's a lot going on today what you just read out yeah and all no sure and then I had a gentleman come into the garden center. And this is, you know, one of my favorite topics is killing weeds. You know, <laughs> it I, is Kenneth and the weeds. Because <laughs> I hate them. Uh, but he had some broadleaf weeds uh, already actively growing in his yard. And he's got a zoysia lawn. And he said, Kenny, can I do anything to kill these weeds this time of year? And it's one of the, well, the answer is yes, mm-hmm. but you have to be patient there I again. I wondered if that question was going to start coming up. It already has. Mm. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can do this one or two ways. You can either go out there and spot treat with like a Roundup type product, okay? But you better be careful because you know how many times people have gone out with Roundup thinking, I can spray Roundup on my dormant lawn. Yeah. And it won't hurt my dormant lawn because it's not actively growing and it will only kill what's green, which are the weeds, mm-hmm. right? Right. Well, a lot of times the lawn will look dormant, but it's not completely dormant. So I'm always proponent of, like, go out there, and if you want to use something like Roundup, still spot treat only. Yeah. Don't spray yeah. the whole lawn like I know people have done. So go out there and just spot treat if you want to use a non-selective herbicide like Roundup. But there's also a product like Weed uh, Free Zone, which is nothing more than a broadleaf weed killer. It's a select killer. It only kills broadleaf weeds. And you can safely use it in a Bermuda or Zoysia lawn, even this time of year. Like I told the gentleman, I said, look, the temperature needs to be above 45 degrees and no rain for 24 hours. So I know he didn't spray this week. <laughs> or let's right. say it, I hope what he month didn't. is that going to be? <clears throat> but if the weed is actively growing and it is above 45 degrees, that weed-free zone 
will kill the broadleaf weed. Now, it might take a little longer to kill it. How long does it have to be above 45? Oh, I mean, 24 hours, 48 hours. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, for it to be really... Yeah, really, really working. Yeah. Now, uh, it, it doesn't, doesn't mean... look like next week's going to be helpful. One day, Saturday will be those degrees, but it'll be raining. But even if it's mild during the day and it's You'll below freezing, I mean, if it's freezing or in the 30s that uh-huh. night, it's still going to do okay. its job. Okay, so... Yeah, yeah. but it, it's just going to take a little longer but a broadleaf weed killer is what i would use because there again i don't really <laughs> i shouldn't say i don't trust myself but i don't trust myself with something like roundup well, in my hands well right and it like you said it's not that you don't trust yourself but there's just reasons why just not to make it harder on yourself yeah. just don't do it <laughs> so yeah and then the pre-emergence i mean exactly you can get the pre-emergent down Feta. right if you didn't Put it down like this fall or even around Christmas, the weeds are still going to come up now. Well, the weed seeds will yeah. because we've had some pretty warm days. So a pre-emergent you can definitely put down to keep the weed seed from coming up. Mm-hmm. And then a herbicide that you can spray like the weed-free zone that will kill broadleaf weeds. Not grassy weeds, but broadleaf oh. weeds that are up and actively growing. Right. Or you can harvest them and use them in your salads and mm. things like that. Mm. Yesterday, uh, I was walking through looking at the grounds, and I saw a dandelion coming up in the wrong place. So, you know, mm. the first the first brain <laughs> says, go pull that up. And yeah. I ran right over there and pulled it up. And the second brain said, but that was going to be pretty. And that was going to be <laughs> something for, you know, just one right there. Why would it have mattered? Just that one. <laughs> because that one would turn into a hundred. Oh, but then that would be gone. Then, you know what I could do if they turned into a lot, then we would just dig them up, put them in a bag and sell them as a salad. <laughs> God. And then look at it another way, too, is, yes, I mean, it's not uncommon to see some weeds already start to come up. No doubt about it. But the thicker and the healthier your lawn is, uh, the less weeds you're going to see. And there again, I'm a, I love putting pre-emergence down about every three months, you know, almost mm-hmm. year-round, because that's going to keep all that seed from germinating. But I know I'm, I'm thinking the way you think, Veda, is, okay, yeah, I can use a pre-emergent. And yes, I definitely want to make sure I cut my grass at the right height. I want to feed it, you know, when it needs to be fed. I want to get that thing as healthy as I possibly yeah. can. There, I don't have thin areas out there, which are just havens for weeds right. to grow in. And all those things you're talking about, you can do throughout this winter season also. Of course, we don't want to slop out there when it's soaking wet, but you could use um, like natural fertilizers, compost, things like that to put down over your yard just so it can start working into the soil and feeding the soil and all of that. And then soon as the grass starts trying to green up, it's had a lot of fer- fertilizer in it already, so that'll make it thicker sooner. Yeah, and then when it comes to your flower beds, um, you know, I mentioned weed-free zone, for example, which is a good broadleaf weed killer. It's just for the lawn. It's not for your beds. A lot of people think, okay, I can use it in my lawn. It's not hurting my lawn. Yeah. I can use it up in my bed. Kill a weed here, kill a weed no, there. Ma'am, no, no. <laughs> so in the beds, you know, you either, there again, put the pre-emergence in there to keep that weed seed from germinating. Hand weed, if you want, which is no problem whatsoever, or you go in there with something that you can spot treat with that, there again, just a spot treat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. All right. Oh, but I like the hand weeding. This would be a great time to weed. It's so satisfying. It just comes right out of the ground. Yeah, but. It's still soaking wet. Yeah. 
No, who's going to go out and weed now? But you know, it, maybe just a little bit just for the freshness to be outside, look around the yard and all. But it made my heart feel good when he asked me that question. Did it? <laughs> can I, Kenny, can I kill broadleaf weeds this like, time of year? And yes! I'm like, yes, you can. Yes. Follow oh, me. What would I say? Oh, well, what kind? It doesn't matter. It's maybe, a broadleaf weed. You know, it's a we weed. We used to um, have to... We used to have to know so many varieties of weeds because there were so many different weed killers for each, almost each variety almost. Well, that's exaggerating a little bit. And then as time progressed, it got so much easier. You didn't have to really know what weed it was. You just knew it was a weed and this, because there became so broad. Yeah. You know, could could kill all, all kinds of different things. I mean, so it almost comes down to just easier. three classifications yeah. now. you got broadleaf weeds. Right. you got broadleaf weed killers that will kill those. Yeah. Most of them. You've got grasses. Yeah. Like crabgrass, poana, those mm-hmm. kind of things. Another herbicide, you yep. know, to kill those. And then you have sedges, which is yeah. like a nutgrass. And, and before, there <laughs> were so many different varieties. It was nice that things got a little easier. That was one reason I liked natural also was because there was less measuring uh, it was more things were mixed mm-hmm. together so you could get more benefits. And um, I didn't have to worry so much and be so detailed. And I didn't have to worry about the timing. Uh, you know, so that's why the natural was really was really nice for me outside of the fact that just the whole thought process behind using natural. And we sold a lot of that last year, you know, like mm-hmm. the 30% vinegar and yeah. the, you know, 10 times sea salt. And then mm-hmm. the, you know, like the... A dead bug, uh, brew, brew yeah. weed killer. Yeah, you know, which yeah. uh, you know, which oh, is I the bonide product. Oh, there's a dead weed killer. Yes. There's dead bug brew, which is insecticide, and now there's mm-hmm. there's so many different varieties. I just carry like a few main things. All right, y'all, just hang on. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mighty Nine Ninety. Morning gardeners, welcome back to Mid South Gardening. Give us a call 901-260-596 or 901-260-5926 or you can go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page Mid South Gardening and shoot mm-hmm. us a text there anytime you want. And Jan Childers texted the MS Fady, you're talking about the dandelion while ago. Mm-hmm. She said that dandelion brought a bright yellow piece of sunshine to make you happy. Yeah. Nice. It would right out. It wouldn't for me. <laughs> if I see that yellow bloom on a dandelion, I'm thinking that thing's going to go to seed before long and spread its wings, and it's got to come out oh, of there. Beautiful. There's that's why there's no more wishes in the world because everyone's killing the dandelions, and we can't <laughs> make the wishes. So there's uh, where all our wishes uh, went uh, to. You can't blame it on me if you want. <laughs> oh well, while we're at it, let me see. I had the uh, while we're talking of weeds and everything. Where is it? Where is it? It was the little thing about all the reasons you should plant clover. So many reasons I, I need to read them. I've well, seen some, some. I mean, I've seen some beautiful. Well, let me. First thing that comes to my mind is like mm-hmm. the median in some of the interstates. Yeah, where you yeah. see that red crimson clover growing, yeah. and it's it was great looking. It is pretty, and it's also been a little difficult for us to, as older gardeners, um, convert in our heads that the clover is a pretty lawn and it works mm-hmm. great and it's not a nuisance because us coming up in the industry it was like mm-hmm. clover kill clover yeah. kill it and, but now it's not and it looks great but sometimes it's hard to disassociate the fact that it, in our minds it used to be a weed yeah <laughs> but it's looking great but it's let's see it 
Um, I was surprised how well it worked as a lawn because you can walk in it, you can mow it, and then it grows back. You know, it grows kind of tall, not really tall, but, you know, and you can't play golf on it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's really pretty. But, you know, it's drought resistant. You don't have to fertilize. Um, It's got pretty blooms. Mm -hmm. It's got pretty blooms. Um, Yeah, there's a white and red clover. Yeah. Aren't we mostly into the red clover in Memphis, it seems like? Yeah. I mean, because I'm the one that's trying to kill it, like you said. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, right. You know? it doesn't need herbicides or pesticides. Yeah. <laughs> it's inexpensive. It's resistant to blight and mildew. It's unaffected by pet urine. And it rarely needs to be mowed. You know, but having said that, Veda, I'd like to see a lawn that is nothing but clover. Yeah. Uh, I really yeah. would. I mean, I've never seen a lawn. I've seen areas mm-hmm. that are nothing but clover, I've but I've never a seen few. a lawn that way. I have seen a few. And I can see... Uh, for me, I think I might have it incorporated, but not my lawn. Mm-hmm. But I might have some, you know, if you, especially if you do a lot of gardening and have spots, you know, it could just be a ground cover around your azaleas, or well, it could be a ground cover around your redbud tree. And I've heard of people, you know, talking about in a, a lawn, a homeowner's environment, is that they've got like a steep hill, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, it just keeps washing. I don't care what yeah. they do, and they sod it, and they, you know, try to get the sod going, and it just keeps washing. I've heard of people planting clover in those kind of oh, areas yeah, to really that. hold that bank. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, I'm like you. It's, it's you know, old habits are hard to to die mm-hmm. off, you know. And I just, when I see a clover, I don't care what it is. I think it, I think of it first, like you just said, as a weed. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So that's yeah. why I'm saying I'd like to see a lawn that is mm-hmm. nothing but clover. Right. Yeah. Because like for me... Because I'm talking about how most people see it as weeds. But for me, the first thing when I see clover is thinking of growing up with the cousins, being in the pasture, you know, making the the, uh, the crowns with, <laughs> and the necklaces yeah. out of the flowers and all. And then I found out when I got into this industry, I'm like, you do what? Yeah. Why are we killing the clover? Why are we killing the violets, the wood violets? Because mm-hmm. being raised in the country, wood violets were everywhere and they mm. were so beautiful and and you knew spring was coming, and it was just majestic. And then somebody comes into the garden center when I'm first in the industry and says, I need to, to kill these violets. And I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. You know, and I still couldn't get it. But it took a while. And, you know, I know it goes to that monoculture where you just want that pristine front lawn. But I get <clears throat> that, too. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it all depends on what you're looking for. But, um you know, I've even, you know, maybe as an excuse, I've seen, you know, yards that are mostly predominantly crabgrass. And, you know, if you keep it cut, I know, it looks honestly, fun. Uh, but the good thing about, you know, you mentioned clover a while ago, Veda, is most of these wildflowers, weeds, wildflowers, whatever we want to call them, uh, that bloom, man, they, they really bring in the pollinators also. Right. I mean, bees are so attracted you know, mm-hmm. to the blooms of clover, for yeah. example. Yeah. Um, and that's never a bad thing, you know, to have the pollinators out there. So I, I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, some, uh, you know, I'm raising my hand. I'm one of those where I want nothing but either Bermuda or Zoysia. Yeah. I want it, you know, I want it nightly, nicely trimmed. I want mm-hmm. it cut. I don't want to weed one in yeah. it. And, and, I don't and, it's, want and it's basically that to go you know, almost away. sterile when yeah, it comes to, right. you know, so and I hear what you're saying, too. I, I still can't see. I don't want that to go away either, though. I still want us to have patches of lawns yeah. and all of that. Maybe we ratio it where there's less lawn compared to more landscape, which would really be good. But I still like the lawn look. 
you know, just maybe a little less, <laughs> right? And also with um, the way that landscaping is is moving on to mm-hmm. uh, people that like to use natives, <laughs> some people mm-hmm. are going, they need to learn to be landscapers <clears throat> real fast <clears throat> because it is hard to incorporate or to landscape, especially when you're working more into your front yard, mm-hmm. to make it not look... Uh, like a pasture, yeah. you know. There's and then some, you'll have the neighbor calling the city yeah. on you. They'll be out there putting a you know a sign on your front door mm-hmm. to clean up your front yard, where all it is is a bunch of natives right, out there. Right. I've uh, got some good design tips for a little later on how to uh, incorporate natives. Well, but like you said, Veda, it's um, uh, we're just not. It's something that we're not used to seeing. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Uh, that a lot of people, when it comes to their landscaping, there again, a lot of people like landscapes that are tight. Yeah. You know, they're they're immaculate as far as they're pruning, mm-hmm. and you know, they're mulched in. I mean, the lines it, are yes, the beds are perfect, right? Yeah. Or you see a lot of people that bring in, especially if they're bringing in a lot of natives, where you've got more of this natural look. Yeah, yeah. And that's just what I'm calling it because that's mm-hmm. what it is, and there's mm-hmm. absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah, right. It's just. Like anything, it's you got to learn look. to landscape with it right. You know, well, it's kind of the flower beds even. We either, you're going to buy one of each flower you like and put it in this one special, one space, or you're going to plant um, a massive, a mass amount of different colors. But the mass is what you have to kind of do when you're doing natives. Yeah, but I also remember about uh, two or three, four weeks ago, we were talking about trends yeah. coming up this year. Oh, and, right. and one of the trends was what you just said, Yeah, is not to plant you know 8 billion plants of the same plant, the same mm. color, but to yeah. plant different types of plants in different colors. Now, mm-hmm. you know, a trend is a trend, yeah. if it's only if you like it, right? Right, right. But, uh, you know, I'm still, I mean, it, it, I, I think either way is fine with me. You know, you drive mm-hmm. down the road, you go especially past a commercial area. Yeah. And they've got this big bed where it's nothing but the same plant and the mm-hmm. same type of bloom. Looks great. Yeah. Yep. But then again, you go down the street and you've got another area where you've got all these different types of plants mm-hmm. in there, all different colors of blooms, and it looks great also. Yeah, yep. So Yes. Um but then, then then when we are doing the native kind of thing, it is native kind of thing. It can, there's so many levels of native also. You know, you can really get like a field looking, mm-hmm. but that's where you've got to do more of the swaths and, mm-hmm. and mix and not mixing where it's real busy and weedy <laughs> looking, but you would plant like a whole bunch of clover and then maybe you would plant um the whole bunch of comb flower mm-hmm. you know instead of three or two or one and, and just have it splotched all over the place i promise you and this is a true story i'm telling them myself when we were mm-hmm. young we would sneak into this guy's house to go in a, into not his house but his backyard <laughs> to go swimming uh-huh. okay and his yard was one of those veda it was beautiful mm-hmm. but it was one of those where the front yard was nothing but it looked like wildflowers yeah uh and it, you know to me it, it in my mind it still stands out because mm-hmm. it wasn't a typical manicured lawn yeah uh even though it was a great looking lawn uh-huh. but uh i just remember seeing these white blooms all in mm-hmm. the front yard of course we weren't paying attention to that we we're going to the backyard <laughs> climbing the fence and jumping uh-huh. in the pool right but uh, even you know then and that was 100 years ago mm-hmm. uh you know it was just 
it, people like what they like. You know, a lot of times, depending on where they grew up, you know, if it's more of a rural setting, then they want a little bit more of that incorporated yeah. into their landscape. I don't care if they're in the dead center of the city, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so I agree with what you're saying, but it's uh, it's a unique take. And when people hear the word native, you know, they yeah. usually go, ah, that's boring. Right. You know, those things look horrible. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of good looking native plants there out there. There is. And, uh, and that's some of my goals is to, to explain, you know, like one native shrub a, a week. You know, I'll tell you about it and how you can implement it in the landscape. We're not saying mow your whole landscape down and start over. It's something we've got to work into. And, you know, it's also kind of the words are changing from native to sustainable, Mm -hmm. environmental friendly, or we're doing topics, pollinator gardeners and Mm -hmm. gardens and all of that. So Mm -hmm. sometimes you got like at first organic was such a just a horrible word. Mm -hmm. Everybody was like, oh. Not gonna oh, work. You're organic, and you're you're one of those. Yeah, you know. And now, then it was all of a sudden. I'm trying to do all native, and they're like, "Oh, you're one of those." <laughs> but it's all starting to fall, fall into place, and now we understand. So we'll go to a break. Yeah, give us a call nine zero one two six zero five nine two six. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid South Garden. You can give us a call nine zero one two six zero five nine two six. Post questions on Facebook Live. Yeah, too. the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid South Gardening. Uh, shoot us a text there anytime you want. And then if you miss all of this, you can always go back and listen to the podcast at your convenience. Uh, KWIN Radio streaming live all the time, Miss Veda. Yes, a lot of people are thrilled to find out that we have a podcast because I do understand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Saturday morning, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Oh, yeah. You know, and we were talking about pre emergence in the first 15 minutes of the show that a lot of people just automatically will put a pre-emergent down, whether it's in the lawn or their beds, to keep weed seed from germinating. And it, I was talking to a young lady the other day at work, and she's got a wedding coming up. Uh, she's hosting a wedding uh, oh. at her place, and it's uh, going to be in around mid-April. So it's coming up mm-hmm. pretty soon. And she's like, well, what can I do to get some grass growing? I said, <laughs> well, you know, ideally you would put down – uh, either annual rye or some type of fescue. And she said, and I asked her, how much sun do you get in in this backyard area? And she said, well, it's not really that sunny. And I said, well, if it was mine, I would do a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. I'd mix some ryegrass and some fescue. The ryegrass, because it's going to come up really yeah. fast, it grows like a weed, and that's going to burn out when it gets hot, okay? Right. And then the fescue mixed in there, because fescue is more of a permanent grass in the shade, mm-hmm. Okay. So we were going over all that, and she's like, I got to do something because I need just some green grass back there. And I said, so after we talked about it, uh, she said, well, you know, do y'all do that, or should I just call my landscape company or my my yard service? And I went, hold on a minute. Right. (laughs) I said, hang on. I said, well, first of all, we don't do it. We strictly just retail. Mm -hmm. I said, but you mentioned that you might call your yard yard service to come out and do that. I said, the first thing you better do is check and see if they put a pre-emergent down because they maybe Probably. have or maybe oh, have not because if they put a pre-emergent down, it will keep any seed, including mm-hmm. good seed, from coming up for the next at least three months. So she mm-hmm. had, she said, she's like, oh, my God, I didn't even, you know, think yeah. about that. So she's going to call her lawn service to see if they put a pre-emergent down. And if they did, when did they do yeah. it? 
And that being the case, does she still have time to put either fescue or mm-hmm. rye or a combination of the two down? Yeah, because maybe they did it in the fall. Well, but you so still got to be. That would give at least a few months under. And then the, all the rain we're having, that could be leaching it out. It's, that's a hard call. But, but she's like, oh, my God, what if I can't put I any know. seed down? Was this just to look at? They weren't going to walk in it because that would even be the hard I'm thing. I'm sure they're going to be still in that because it I wouldn't mean, really be established well enough to walk in it, would it? Well, who, she doesn't care. She she wants it for that one event. Yeah, yeah. So could anything that's green <laughs> back there is going to be better than nothing. Okay. Yeah. And then if you do sod, you know, usually mm-hmm. the sod is not green enough yeah. by that point. Right. You know, it's still mm-hmm. somewhat dormant. So, uh, and and it happens. A lot of people will put down, you know, whether it's fescue or they'll put down ryegrass. And don't mm-hmm. realize that their lawn care company has put down a pre-emergent. And I'm telling you, they get hardly any germination whatsoever because the pre-emergent's yeah. doing its job. Well, you know, that that's the hard thing with the outside weddings. That's one of the hardest Especially things. Especially in, in, in early to mid-April. Yeah, yeah. That One of the hardest things to do is so often we have customers coming in wanting to landscape for the wedding. But they're mm-hmm. wanting things that aren't going to be at the time of the wedding. Or, of course. you know, you're just like, this is just a big 50-50 shot. Mm-hmm. And so possibly if you want to do an outside wedding, you've got to understand the nature a little more and then set the date. Don't set yeah. the date and try to make the flowers work around the date. Yeah. <laughs> if you come in looking for, you know, 30 flats of impatience, yeah, you might be able to find them, maybe. Yeah. Maybe not the color you're looking for. But mm. she was almost distraught, though, when I told her that, listen, yeah. you do you, you need to check with your lawn care company because if you put these seed down, and honestly, mm-hmm. they put a pre-emergent down within sometimes you know typically when you put a pre-emergent down a homeowner it's going to have a residual of at least three months mm-hmm. now if you put it down heavier at the heavy rate that residual yeah. is it's going to be more than three months yeah. so you know she said she was going to check and, and but she was like I, I would have never thought of that had no idea you know that that was even a thing mm-hmm. but i didn't want her to go out there and spend all that time and effort getting the seed down and have nothing come up right i know that's so disappointing well i see them putting pre-emergence i noticed a lot in november because of the blue that they use the blue dye you can also tell they do that with pre-emergence um september october november so if they did like november at the latest then there's december january february that's three months Mm -hmm. february march so if she sowed in March, yeah, I mean, the middle of March. Well, you know, ryegrass comes up and, and really they're again in a week, you know, yeah. so she still could have time. But ryegrass is very inexpensive, so at least... Yeah, it's hardly inexpensive. You could just keep... Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> maybe not do the fescue, but at least do the ryegrass. I mean, because she's got to have some Ooh. green back there. And people ask all the time, well, why do you put a pre-emergent down at different times of the year? Well, first of all, weed seeds are always being blown around mm-hmm. and moved around. Uh, and then, as you know, Veda, a lot of weed seeds germinate in cooler temperatures, you know, in the yeah. fall, the fall and winter weeds that come up. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a lot of weeds germinate uh, in the spring and summer. Um, but it's it's a year-round thing, and we'll see how it goes. She said she'd call me back and let me know, but she was like, oh, man. And you yeah. could just hear her her head churning like, what did right. I get into oh, here? Oh, I know. This, these can be stressful things, these weddings, I'm sure, because you've got the vision and then you're trying to create it. So anyway, like like people come in want hydrangeas to be blooming for sure in the end of June. I'm like, oh, well, it depends on how early we have spring or how late we have spring. You know, the, sometimes 
Maybe, maybe not. You can't be for sure. Even things ain't there with planting bulbs. You know, I love, mm-hmm. you know, plant bulbs in the fall. They bloom in the spring. Speaking of bulbs, Betty, we got mm-hmm. bulbs at a big time clearance yeah. right now. Uh, what have what we t- have left. Yeah, so you didn't have a ton left. No, no, but, but there's some, man, there's some great looking mm. bulbs that we still have. I yeah. mean, these big, you know, daffodils. Uh, and it's not too late to plant them. <laughs> yeah, you know, you right, can still get them in the ground right. and still get bloomed. But I mean, but a lot of people, when they plant them, they like, you know, they want to plant an event, mm-hmm. um, you know, around when they're blooming. And like you just yeah. said, that depends on Mother Nature. Yeah, definitely. You know, spring well, is, we can call it spring whatever we want. Yeah, yeah, we can. Well, we have a lot of, excuse me, amaryllis bulbs, and we potted those up, and they're white and red, and these are going to be ready by Valentine's. Yep. Maybe, sort of, maybe could. You know? <laughs> exactly. Because it's like I'm moving <clears throat> them. Oh, these are growing a little too fast. Let me take those out of the light and put them in the dark. But these aren't growing fast <clears throat> enough. I'm trying to make <clears throat> them all be at the same time, and then finally I was like, you know what? They're going to bloom when they want to bloom. We're not a florist. We're people that are just coming in, buying flowers that look good at the time. And we've got some that, oh my gosh, aren't the amaryllis beautiful? Because we get the big bulbs like y'all did. Yeah. Big bulbs. And so there's like big blooms and four of them. And then they're blooming like two or three times coming up stalks, you know. And I was looking at one yesterday, like you said, Vader, that's in full bloom. And it's not the white, you know, the mm-hmm. pure white. It's a, it's a, it's a lime green. Ooh, and I'm just sitting there looking at this one. thing like, man, I, I, I think I'd rather have that one. That one than even. A pure white one, which is mm-hmm. always one of my favorites. Lime green. Yeah, it's huh? a lime green bloom. It's in full bloom right now. And I'm like, and that thing looks Y'all good. Y'all have more of those or just that's the last well, one? Well, we got, that's the last one. <laughs> and then we got two more red ones and that's it. Uh, you know. I got single red, double reds. Oh, yeah. I got the double reds for Valentine's for I do- doubly love you. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> thank you. But it doesn't matter, Veda, when they're blooming. You can mm-hmm. enjoy it any day. You know, it doesn't have to be just during the Christmas yeah, season. Yeah, or for you a know? holiday. Exactly. Yeah, it's like. We keep saying, oh, amaryllis, you only use at Christmas and Valentine's Day. Yeah, because we just, that's when we typically mm. buy them. Right. But I don't, as long as they're blooming inside. Same thing with paper whites. Yeah. You oh, know, you can do man. them at any point. As mm-hmm. long as the bulb is still viable and you get your hands on them, you yeah. can force them to bloom inside. Right. Just like you can the amaryllis. Yeah. There's so many things <laughs> that work great inside, like the... Right now, you know, if you wanted something blooming, you could get the paper whites, the amaryllis, right. the um, orchids... Uh, Anthurium, the, the, oh, what's that one? Centenera, Centenera. Nope. I'll have to show you a picture. Yeah. I'm getting it confused with something else. But that, that's another one that, you know, just some happy color in for a month or so. Yep. All right, y'all. Y'all just hang on. Get your coffee, get your tea, get your questions. We have two more hours. 901 The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990. Powered by Palladio Home and Garden. With your host, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to the second hour of Mid-South Gardening. We're glad to be here with you. I'm Veda with Palladio. And good morning to you, Miss Veda. I'm Kenneth with Danwest Garden Centers and our good friend, co-host of the show, Mr. Jim Crowder. He'll be here next weekend. Mm-hmm. He's been gone, uh, what, last Saturday and yeah. this Saturday. He went down to the beach to enjoy himself, and the weather down there was just <laughs> horrible. You know, it was cold and windy when he first got down there. And then he said the fog came in. He couldn't see his hand in front of his face. And then the waves got really big, and it was misty. I'm like, man, we could 
You could be enjoying that here. You could be. You right, know? yeah, in the coziness of your recliner. But oh. we miss Jim. He'll be back here next weekend. And like Veda said, if you want to give us a call, 901-260-5926. And if you want to shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, which is called Mid-South Gardening, really easy to do. And if you miss all of this and want to listen to the podcast, kwmradio.com, Streaming live all the time. Uh, Listen to the podcast anytime you want. So speaking of the Facebook page, I'm looking at Mid-South Garden, um, <laughs> USDA Zone 6, 7, and 8. That's the one that Jim's administrator from. Yeah. And um, someone <clears throat> had traveled to Raleigh, North Carolina, yeah. which is Zone 7B and 8A, <clears throat> uh, J. Rollison Arboretum. That was the, what I was showing you the pictures of. There's a beautiful arboretum, but there is some things in there that I want, like that Linton rose that has the foliage that's like like a very serrated. Yes, mm-hmm. red. Yeah, that's <laughs> gorgeous. They have cyclamen, the hardy cyclamen, and that's something we don't do here. Uh, what is something else neat? Oh, it's just a beautiful one. But when you go on the Mid South Garden page, you get to see you know when people from traveling like this one posting the pictures. And a lot of people are from different zones, too, farther out, like yeah, California. And, and they're taking a lot of pictures, and they're asking a lot of questions. What is that one? Is that the Daphne? Yeah. Or is that which... It's like variegated winter Daphne. Oh, it's so beautiful. But do we have luck? Is it kind of like a maybe, It's a marginal maybe plant not. here, and, you, and yeah. you know, it's kind of, you better have good drainage for it, like we mm-hmm. say that on so many yeah, things. Yeah, because right now, if it was just planted in the ground, it's drowning and mm-hmm. rotting, probably. Well, I had a lady call me, and she was really panicked because her edgewarthia wasn't blooming. The paper bush. Yeah, the paper Love that. bush. Love oh, it. I do, too. But it doesn't even have the buds on it. Mm-hmm. But she bought it small, and it's only been in the ground at almost a year gotta be patient exactly i was like well i think you're good it's just um early on young plant but that edgewarthia is gorgeous and i always think it's it's another one of those shrubs i think that's underplanted it is but if you ever see that thing bloom in the late winter early Mm -hmm. spring i mean you're you'd get it you'd get it that day I just have trouble <laughs> i'm having trouble of course i can't buy from every vendor there is and some i can't buy from the big big ones but like in the general ones i, I know one has edge worthia for mm-hmm. me to even order to sell but that's such a great thing it's it's a neat it. plant it is deciduous i believe doesn't yeah. it drop its leaves in yeah. the winter time it has those kind of a yellow white uh-huh. bloom yeah uh, but it has like the big the the florets on it they're there to make it look real decorative for like all of fall and winter. And then all of a sudden yeah. they start opening up. And then, you know, it's called paper bush because in a lot of Asian countries, they actually mm-hmm. use it to make fine paper. Mm. Um, but God, man, it is a, it's a neat looking shrub. So that's, that's one that's different to, to use. And then I was talking about using <laughs> the natives and one of them that I'm really liking I talk about it a lot is the uh, mock orange so I was thinking because a lot of times it's hard like I said to incorporate all these plants but you're sitting at your house right now looking out your back windows or your side or your front and do you have a spot for a it's like a fountain shaped shrub it's the best way you know, we say arching or airy, yeah. but I think the new way to describe these are fountain-like. That kind of makes a little more sense. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of, it's not weeping, 
but it's flowing. Maybe and, that's And they it. used to have beautiful white blooms on them. Yeah, and they're called mock orange because the white blooms smell like orange. Philadelphias or yeah. whatever. Yeah, Not some Philadelphias with an N. But there's different, <clears throat> there's different heights. I mean, different varieties. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember seeing one in full bloom down around the Yates and Shady Grove Ooh. area. Uh-huh. Uh, and every time that thing would bloom, I would just like, God, everybody needs a mock yeah. orange. Yeah, you know? it smells so good. And it's, okay, fountain-shaped. Traditionally, I've seen them six feet <clears throat> tall. Um, but like you said, there's different sizes. They grow in full sun. Mm-hmm. That's where you'll get your absolute most blooms. But I see them a lot of times as like right on that. This was uh, this was like on the edge of a, uh, not a forest, mm-hmm. but it was it was one of the edge plants. Same, uh, that's So I've it was kind of growing out and weeping towards the sun. Yeah. Um, and now if it'd been in full sun, mm-hmm. it, it would have looked a little different as yeah. far as the shape of it. But yeah, Veda, this thing, I w- it definitely wasn't getting full sun. Right. Yeah. They're, they're considered <coughs> it as a, more like a specimen, mm-hmm. you know, you're, and a specimen is basically on this type is something that's maybe you get one yeah. and it's specimen in terms of it's looking fantastic and awesome for a month. But then it just kind of reverts back into your landscape as just a nice green, lush plant that that you're not noticing it. It's one of the, they're just so inconspicuous until mm. they start blooming, yeah. like so many things are. And it's an early bloom. You know, it's one of the indications. You know, here we're kind of working into spring. You've got the daffodils. You get the uh, Jane magnolias. Yeah. You know, all those early things, and then we kind of start working into the mock orange. Mm-hmm. So it's just another blooming plant another level of bloom yeah so yeah and then i was looking what do you plant with mock orange of course there's so many things but i wanted to see what this company monrovia uh recommended to put with them and they recommended peonies which same environment that would work so good we'll give them that daylilies and there's some beautiful daylilies. You know, oh, it's not just man, the old ditch daylilies that people buy anymore. You are not kidding. So many different varieties. Some have big blooms mm-hmm. on them. A lot of them are repeat bloomers yeah. now also. Uh, and if you want to, if you have a spot where you can't grow anything, mm-hmm. put some daylilies in there. Because even the foliage is looking <clears throat> good. So there are some varieties of daylilies that I see gets the rust and the foliage kind of looks so-so. You know, after they get tired in the end of the season. But then there's some that has a foliage that's just great looking the whole season, too. And, the, and, like, and so many different colors on these blooms now. But it's and like I said, it's big. not just the old daylily that you and I grew up with. Not at all. <laughs> big, ruffly, different colors. And, and, you know, there's a center color. And then there's the outer color. And then sometimes there's the around the rim of the blooms, a different color, too. Well, this guy... Uh, owned a gas station here in town, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, the gas station was, you know, paved. You know, the the lot was oh, paved, yeah. and at the very edge of the lot, there was another building. Okay, mm-hmm. but in between the lot, his paved lot, and the building was this like eight inch wide bed that went mm-hmm. down the property line. Yeah, and he had stuck different things in there, and uh-huh. nothing ever made it. You right. know, because nothing was ever getting watered, and it was just mm-hmm. a hostile environment. And I walked into the store one day, and he said, you know, Kenny, if that was yours, what would you do? And I said, put some daylilies in there. Yeah. You know, I mean, that or, or put concrete in there. <laughs> right. And he did. He put some daylilies in there, um, and they just thrive, oh, you know, man. in that hostile environment. That has got to be beautiful. <clears throat> and if you can, especially if you get the, the new repeat bloomers, 
or the new varieties. It's just going to be a constant bloom, and the colors are incredible. I, I, I always think, man, I wish my grandmother could have seen these. Oh, yeah. You know, they're just, can you think how our grandparents' their minds would be blown away with all the plants we have now. Yeah, but I'm glad you mentioned, you know, some of the companion plants that go with the mock orange you were talking about, and peonies being one apple, peony, however you want to say it. Yeah. And, man, you, when those things start blooming, it, same thing. Yeah. It, there's really nothing like them. Yeah. I mean, but they need really good drainage, mm-hmm. uh, more sun than shade, like you were talking yeah. about. Uh, so, And they, they are native, so, um, you know, that, that's how... I'm trying to let y'all know, you know, what by each shrub, just if you want to try to incorporate something native, then let's let's do the mock orange this time. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many varieties just to mix in your yard that I love it. Now, I understand if you have like a formal where it's all boxwoods and hollies, uh, it might be a hard place to find one that can <laughs> go unless you've got some more space and all. But do the mock orange. Okay, we're gonna go to a break. And give us a call, 901-260-5926. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you've got gardening questions, give us a call, 901-260-5926. And if you don't want to be on air, you can leave the question with Philip, and he'll post it. Yeah, and then also, if you don't want to call, you can shoot a text at the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. Um easy way to do it so yeah works out well that way too that way you don't have to be on air um so let me tell you about a plant that i was reading about oh yeah we're on plants okay go ahead and this was under rare shrubs rare and when, shrubs. I, when when someone says rare doesn't mean it grows here well <laughs> nothing it, rare no, grows it grows here. here it just means it's just hard to find yeah you know yeah. uh they then this one was called party lights Tea olive, and I'm sure Jim's probably heard. He probably yeah, has one in his yard no somewhere. Kidding, yeah, uh, but this is the Osmanthus heterophyllophysis, uh, which is, is it not related the, to Snuffleupagus. <laughs> listen to you, <laughs> and this is not the Osmanthus. What fragrance? Yeah, fragrance. You know, like yeah. our sweet olive. Right. It's, it's still a Osmanthus, mm-hmm, a but tea just olive, not the sweet olive. But I, yeah. what caught my eye was, I, I saw this thing, and it looked like a variegated holly. Mm-hmm. The new growth comes out pink and white, mm-hmm. okay? Beautiful. And has points all over the, you know, the leaves, mm-hmm. and it looks just like a holly, and it has, it said Osmanthus. I'm yeah. like, hang on, this thing must be mistagged. Right, right, You know, I'm right. reading this, and I'm seeing the picture, but I know mm-hmm. this is not an Osmanthus. So the more I, you know, kept reading about it, it is a tea olive. Yeah. N- nothing like I've ever seen before. But this one was called Bright Lights. It's uh, zone and hardy six through nine. Gets four to five foot tall, three to four foot wide. Uh, and I was like, there are so mm. many different shrubs out there that I've never even seen before. Yeah, and now you know? this one. But but when you get a chance, look up Bright Lights totally Osmanthus. And tell me what you that. think about it. And I'm telling you, when somebody comes in there and goes, mm. man, what is this? And you see. tell I'm them beta Osmanthus or a tea olive, they're going to go, well, you got that thing mistagged. See, that was... Because when you say Osmanthus, there's like the Fortunia. Oh, sure. And then there's the one that you just said. The, the Fragans. Yeah, the Fragans. And then this one. What is this one again? The Heterophyllophysis. Yeah. And they don't look like they would be in the same family at all. No. And I get almost, 
had a throwdown with somebody mm-hmm. over it. I'm like, it was the Osmanthus fortunia, which is shorter and got real prickly. And they were, and they're like, no, it is not an Osmanthus. Yeah, this <laughs> just remember party lights. We say party. We can party, remember party, party lights. T olive and. It just it just kind of blew me away that this thing was truly an osmanthus, and I'm just wondering. It did say rare plants. Maybe they're just not under you know large con- production, right, uh, right? And that might be the reason that we can't get our hands on any. But I don't know. We'll see uh, if I can find some. But it's just one of those plants where I honestly, when I first looked at it, I thought it was miss. Well, it doesn't look like our nor the people that we normally that. buy from has it yet i don't see it right no, off but i mean oh it's gorgeous i'm so getting getting that Ooh, nice oh that one's orchards <laughs> okay y'all look that up we're gonna look for that but, but it for also sure. made me think of our beautiful sweet olive that we have around here mm-hmm. uh you know that were just killed almost back down to the ground uh you know a, a year or so ago now, thank goodness yeah. most of those did come back from the root, and they're very fast-growing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, But the beauty of a lot of these sweet olives that we have is the fragrance. Yeah. The blooms are so inconspicuous. You know, you would never even ever buy one of these because of the bloom right, itself. Right, right. Uh, but then when it starts smelling good. Oh, you, you can smell it down resist. the road. And, you know, to me, you know, one of these, the strongest fragrances is, let's say, gardenia, for example. Mm-hmm. You know how they have that very sweet smell yeah. but you can really smell it honeysuckles the same way on some of the sweet honeysuckles osmanthus nothing's mm-hmm. like it i mean it has more of a fragrance you could smell it mm-hmm. three a block away let me yeah, put it that yeah. way yeah and then when you get the osmanthus and the iliagnus going almost at the same time <gasps> fantastic you know and, and most people when they're landscaping veda they're doing it for for visual mm-hmm. they truly yeah, are i mean what yeah. does it look like right, right. uh but, but if you start getting into the fragrance of plants mm-hmm. uh, and people that know what's fragrant really fragrant and whatnot uh they're doing it for fragrance honestly yeah, yeah. they still love the plant and they'll mm-hmm. figure out a place to put it in the landscape where yeah. it looks like it should be but they're really doing it for the fragrance right. side of it and you know, for fragrance also with gardenias, I feel like you need to plant at least more than one. Because like the one, you get a little whiff, but sometimes you have to sit by it and smell it and all that. But if you get a number of them, you can get more of the scent. And and I know it's confusing when people say gardenias now, because when you and I were growing up, and I sound like an old man when I say this, <laughs> which I guess I am, is, you know, there was the August Beauty and maybe Mystery yeah. You know, really just, I mean, even though there were more, it was really just, those were the top two. Right. And now yeah, there's probably there's 30 oh. hybrids on the market that, now. the one that's columnar shaped? I haven't got that one. Did I think some, Jim said he had that one, maybe. <laughs> sure probably, yeah. But I've thought about getting the one that's more like a pyramid or right. a columnar shape. It's a tall one. For, but, for urns on each side of the door. But there's so many gardenias on the market <laughs> yeah. now. And a lot of the new hybrids supposedly are more winter tolerant mm-hmm. uh, or cold hardy than the old-fashioned mystery and uh, august beauty but what I, my whole point is don't let that confuse you they're all good they all have a fragrance the blooms are some some of them are different some of them have a single bloom like a mm-hmm. dogwood some of them have very multi-petaled blooms like the old-fashioned yeah. gardenias that you and i grew up with there right, again right so we're liking mm-hmm. for this week we're liking the mock orange and this new as Os- osmanthus 
party party pink. lights party lights party lights i'm trying to remember that one yeah party i still lights. love sweet olive i mean that's what that's oh, our yeah. staple osmanthus that we have around we're here we're adding this one yeah. just caught my eye because uh-huh. it looks so different like that's it. all gosh and you know <clears> what i am I'm, I'm struggling with there's so <clears> many <throat> types of wigilia or wigula as people say it at first because it looks like it says wigula but it's a wigilia or wigilia wigilia um, but, but there's so many varieties, and I'm loving those. Well, they the same thing. When you and I were growing up, <laughs> I do make us sound old, don't I? I know. You I'm know, trying to figure out the, ways to rephrase that, but well, there's the not. Well, the <laughs> typically it was just a green-leafed yeah. shrub with a bloom. <laughs> and now there are so many Wygillias with so many different blooms, but mm-hmm. even the leaves have different colors yeah. now on them. Yeah. How many have you seen planted? Not I'm, enough. I know. That's what I'm thinking, too. We did a, put them in a landscape uh, a number of years ago. And because, you know, they weren't around. It was the wine and roses. That was the one that we all first got. And the foliage is different. It's not just green yeah. foliage on there. And they're doing fine. And now the amount of wajilia that's available, I think I'm going to have to start getting into the wajilia phase. We, and, we get, yeah, we get them in every year mm-hmm. because, there again, it's just one of those. If people know what they're looking for and they've seen them in landscapes and they've seen those things blooming, yeah. They they want one, yeah. Um, but it's just another one of those shrubs that's always overlooked for Are some reason. Are you going with like full sun for them? I mean, the, they need at least half a day sun. Yeah. The more you know, they full sun is perfectly mm-hmm. fine. That yeah. that's where they do their best. But they don't have to at least half a day uh, well drained soil. And I'm telling you guys, why gillias are just you know we plant shrubs that bloom. Mm-hmm. Okay, whether it's viburnums, azaleas, and on and on and on. Yeah. Why is nothing more than just a blooming shrub, right? And they do lose their leaves. Yep, uh, it takes them a little longer. They're they're not as long dormant as some other plants are. I mean, if you ever if people notice that, some people immediately shut down the fact that it's going to lose its leaves. Yep. But for here, not. I mean, even like the barberry, it loses its leaves, yeah. but it takes it much longer to lose it. So so really. You know, some things we've lost the leaves in early fall, and some things take all the way up to Christmas or so to drop their leaves. Well, but also, you know, you can't have a lawn full of just nothing but evergreens. Yeah. I mean, you can, but, you know, like like I tell people all the time, deciduous plants, a crepe myrtle's deciduous. You can right. still use it as even as a screen. Yeah. It's still yeah. there in the wintertime. Right. It just doesn't have any leaves on it. Yeah. But Wygelia is a, it's a beautiful deciduous uh, blooming shrub, with those little trumpet-shaped blooms on mm-hmm. it, Veda, but... It's just one that, for some reason, whether people don't know about them yeah. or it's just overlooked. Right. So I think I'm going to work on that. You know, it's like the saying, no bloom, no no bloom, no room in the garden centers. Exactly. You know, that's how they, they tell you if it's not blooming, don't get it in because nobody wants it if it's not blooming. And then we luckily transitioned to having um, different color foliages on plants. So that that's given us a break, too. Sunshine, but do y'all know how hard it is to make sure this truck arrives when everything's in bloom? You know, you're having... You're having to order it. You look at the specs, but then you check with the salesperson to make sure it is actually blooming. By the time it gets here, is it still going to be blooming? Like you said, no bloom, no room. Is it just starting to bloom, or is it in mid-bloom, or is it starting to the end? Because they'll say... It's blooming, but when it gets to you, it's only got four days left to bloom. You know, so there's all these little things we have to work on to make sure it comes in blooming. Well, and it's you know we mentioned you know plants evolve, 
Mm-hmm. Well, it, let me say, let me tell you this. Tell me. <laughs> Let's say for Cynthia, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. before, not too many years ago, there was typically a for Cynthia that you could choose from. Yeah. You know, a the big six foot tall, six foot wide, one. weeping for Cynthia. Yeah. And now there are so many different varieties out there, some that are completely dwarf. Yeah. Some that have bigger blooms on them mm, now. so Different, co- darker yellow. Yeah, and yeah. it's not just for Cynthia. It's most shrubs that we mm. buy now. There are so many different varieties. Think about it, Veda. There's so many yeah. different varieties on the market, which is great for us. Right. And for the right. homeowner, <laughs> yes, you know? Yes, yes. So there's a lot more stuff out there to choose from uh, than there used to be. You know, we mentioned gardenias a second ago. How many gardenias mm-hmm. are on the market now? How many viburnums are on the market? Yeah. Lakota wheat. Old-fashioned oh, yeah. Lakota wheat. You know, uh-huh. it used to be just this tall, weepy, green mm-hmm. leaves. Now there's so many different yes. varieties on the market. And so speckled leaves, dark leaves. And I'm not going to mention the word hydrangeas. I, I know, but that was in my head, and I'm thinking, gosh. Uh, last year it was like I was so enamored with the hydrangeas, I got too many. But they all sold, but then I didn't get something else. <laughs> you can never have too many. That's what I'm thinking. All right, y'all, hang on. We'll be right back. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. Gardeners, welcome back to Mid South Gardening. So I was looking and I found <laughs> the things that they're coming up with for us to uh, self water our plants with. What is that? Okay, so this is a house plant, but there's this apparatus that looks like a cloud. Yeah, oh, and it's it. on two sticks. So there's these two poles, and there's a cloud on it, and you stick it down into a six inch plant. And I think you fill the cloud up with water. Oh, you, yeah, absolutely, and you it would. Just looks drips. like it's raining on top of the house that plant. That is so much trouble to do. Plus, that's not a good way to water your plant. Well, but also, <laughs> y'all talked about a couple of weeks ago. You know, the little mm-hmm. things that look like a bowl, yeah, uh, or, or a a ball with yeah. a stem that comes mm-hmm. down. You stick it down in the soil. You add the water, right? And it waters your plant. But it waters, like Jim said, on that one side, yeah. that one spot. So you need to make sure you move that thing around a yeah. little bit. And so then if you're going to do all that, you may as well just you get your water. water can and water. Yeah. Now, I do agree that that would be something good to use to buy you a couple of days if you're out of town. Yes. You know, but, but that's not what you rely on. But I'm telling you this, that my wife has got one of those little things stuck in every house plant that we have. Mm-hmm. Now, she'll uh, still go back once a week or every 10 days and water the plants mm-hmm. uh, with a watering can. Yeah. Now, she's careful, especially this time of year, you know, not to water too often. Yeah, right. You know, right. I, I want to say not to water too much. You can water as much as you want. It's going to drain out if you've got good good soil and mm-hmm. good drainage. And then you get the, you know, the pot out of the saucer. Yeah. But you don't want to do that, you know, where you typically water maybe once a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, some plants this time of year, you don't even have to water that much. Yeah, exactly. Which you talk about water reminds me of something. I'm scrolling through and it says, should I water this plant every and I'm like, okay, let me see. Every what? what? Yeah, just every. Should yeah. I water this plant every? So it's going <laughs> to tell. Fill in the blank. Yeah, it's going to tell us how to water these plants. Oh, my word. Okay, so we've got a parlor palm, a fig leaf, and a peperomia, and a ficus. Right. Okay, they recommend 
you water them every five to ten days. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not a you water them every five to ten days. Okay. Well, should I pick five days or ten days or four days? But no, a, a fig leaf could would be like um, depending on the size, yeah. and all of that, and the type of soil that's and, in there. Yeah. Is it in a drought? And is it you know right? Well, a fig leaf in five days it could be too wet, and then in seven days. It could be right here, and in 12, 10 days, it could still be too wet, you know. And then like a peperomia and a ficus don't even have the same watering schedule, but they're saying every 5 to 10 days. So then as I look at the entire list of plants, mm-hmm. they're all 5 to 10 days. Well, but let me say this. Mm-hmm. I would tell people, if you're not sure, I'd much rather see people slightly underwater yeah, um, than overwater. Right. Because the underwatering, this is what I noticed, the underwatering, your plants survive and they stay looking good, but they don't really do any growing or adding new growth when you're kind of underwatering. But you're not killing them. That's right. You did not kill them. So if you're wanting to get some more growth, then you can bump your water up a little bit. But most people, Veda, think about this, though. When mm-hmm. they do water their houseplants, they're watering them all on the same day. I mean, most yeah, people I know, are. right, now, yeah. You know, like my wife, Gina, she didn't, you know, in our house, we might have what t- eight to ten mm-hmm. house plants yeah you know downstairs and that's uh, it yeah that's so not a lot. you know about yeah. every 10 days two weeks or you know she'll water every one of them mm-hmm. um so she does water them all the same and and they do fine yeah, but it's right. not this huge diverse selection, selection yeah. of house plants right so she's kind of went and maybe in the same watering pattern because if she had succulents and cactus right. and orchids, yeah. if you yep. went farther out like that, then, but this is giving you, this is saying mm. everything is five to 10 days. Mm. And I think that's why everyone has such a hard time watering mm-hmm. is they want to stick to that. I mean, of course they, they allowed 10 to 15 days for a snake plant, but for a snake plant, it's recommended at least every 30 days. So 10 to 15 days would be over watering. And then they're not saying also, there's some, mostly it's good to never let them get bone dry. That's true. I mean, you know, on any of them. And, you know, until you get it down, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why people are always scratching their head. You know, should I water? How much do I water? When do I water? Um, but just remember, I mean, when you do water, water well. Yeah. Uh, but give them time to get slightly dry before mm-hmm. you come back and water again. Yeah, I mean, like. Under moist, yeah, just slightly dry, under moist, not dry, dry. General rule of thumb. Because like on our moisture meter, there's colors. There's the dry, there's the medium, and then there's the wet. Yeah. And so I'll say on the dry, under that color, you can go all the way to the bottom. I always wait till it gets right between the moist yeah. and the dry to this is, water So this them. is not bone dry and it's not right, wet. Right. Now, bone dry could be the cactus, the snake plant. Maybe the Jacina, but I like the moisture meter because you can just give it the extra that you need. But plus, it, like you say, put your finger in the pot and see if it's uh, right. wet. But if it's cooler in your house, yeah. it feels wet when it's dry because yeah. the soil's cool. I'm, I promise y'all, the moisture meter is the greatest, at least to get you started. Because like, like Gina, she's learned her plans. Yeah, it takes all the guesswork out of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But so at least to get you started, a moisture meter would be good. All right, let's go to Jamie, the master gardener. Good morning, Jamie. Thanks for the call. Good morning. Hey, Jamie. Good morning to you. 
Look, I don't know about y'all, but good Lord made days like this for farmers and gardeners. <laughs> Why is that? Yeah. So we... this, this is one of those days you just roll over and say, okay, I can't do it today. Oh, black and red. <laughs> hey, yes. Jamie, you're so true. I walked downstairs a second ago, looked out the window, and it's raining, it's cloudy. This is just one of those days where, man, everybody ought to be asleep, you know? Absolutely. Roll back over so we can get that next week when the sun comes out. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jamie, uh, I, yeah, I made a comment in the first 15 minutes of the show about the uh, Memphis Area Master Gardeners Present. Uh, right. And that is a big deal when it yeah. comes to the Memphis Area Master Gardeners. And I told everybody needs to mark that one down on their calendar. I think it's February the 27th, wasn't it? 17th. 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 Okay. I'm, I'm not looking at my notes here. So 17th, January the 17th. And that's at the Lichterman Nature Center. Right. Now, that's going to be a pretty big deal. And, you know, this, this well, question I go to ask you, both of you guys, was have you seen a daffodil yet? Not yet. I, I haven't. Yesterday we were going down uh, uh, someplace, going to the uh, Shelby Farms Park, and I saw one poor little <laughs> yellow daffodil just peeking out of the ground, a little, little bit of yellow. And, you know, that's like a rite of spring. Yeah. Like the first uh, bale of cotton or the first ripe tomato mm-hmm. type thing, right, mm-hmm. right. That God saying, "Okay, yep, we go, we go, still get through this thing." Yeah, we still got spring but, under under the isn't, snow. Isn't that what? Isn't that so true? What Jamie's saying, though, yes. you know, he's only seen one, but that's enough to make us believe, like, hey, Cole, okay, we'll get through all this, <laughs> and spring is, and we'll be on the way. Yes, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Jamie, thanks for giving us hope, <laughs> <laughs> especially on a day like today. Yeah. <laughs> And you're saying it's okay for us gardeners just not to fret. We can just stay in and chill out and, and enjoy today, and rest. Today is, that, today is that one tight day. Yeah, sounds good to yeah, me. I feel guilty about it either. Right, that's, that's, right. that's what I'm saying. It's hard to not do anything, but today you don't feel guilty. That's the key. Right, yeah. Go back over and go back to sleep. That's right, that's right. <laughs> Thank you guys for being there. All right. Thanks, Thank Jamie. you, Jamie. See Thank you, later. you buddy. Uh, love Jamie. You know he went to. He was over in Nashville last weekend. Mm-hmm. And sounds great uh, back Going here in over Memphis. There telling the doctors what to do. Oh yeah. And so, well, speaking of being, oh, go ahead. Well, his wife Jan texted in and said, "Uh oh, I use those hose watering globes when I uh, go out of town." Mm-hmm. And Jan, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, is but you don't want to use just that as your only source of of way of watering. And never move it from different sizes of the pot. Right, exactly. So, yeah. And plus, if you don't fill them with water, they're actually really pretty. Just sitting there in your containers. I love it. There's so many different shapes and colors now. Uh, My wife has got one that looks like a bird chirping. And I'm like, (laughs) I like that one, Gina. Oh, Lordy. Yeah. So, yeah, like for today... One thing I like about these days is projects, like indoors projects, you know, like creating houseplant containers, doing your indoor landscaping or, um, well, for us, it's like you, we're cleaning, rearranging Spring the shelves, cleaning. you know, getting all the new products mm-hmm. in and, and putting them up. And so, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, there's great indoor projects to do if you are fidgety for something. And well, like you come up to the garden center and of course, it's much slower these times, this time of year, oh, just, sure. just because. But if you come up there, 
Man, you know, we'll we'll look through books. We'll look at everything. We'll talk about your grandma. We'll, you know, Have a little we'll more share time photos. for that one-on-one. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really fun. You can get some really good planning. I mean, we have people actually coming in buying like fountains now just to get everything set up and ready for right when we hit spring, they're going to get their fountain in. Because it's like anything. When spring hits... Everybody's doing it. Yeah, but like so. I said, it's just a lot of spring cleaning going on now. Getting in, yeah. you know, the new product. Sometimes getting in the the when I say new product, product mm-hmm. that is brand new that you know that's yeah. new on the market. Right, um, right. And then, you know, like for example, like the tone products. There's a new mm-hmm. uh, tone product called Azalea Tone. Yeah. Uh, and it's a marketing thing because there's mm-hmm. so many Azaleas, you know, here in the Mid South. Um, Especially here in Memphis, yeah. you know, so. I noticed that, too, and I didn't look it up, and I was like, is Azalea Tone the same as Holly Tone? Yes. And, and it is. Okay. So, like with me, with the limited space, I'm just only going to have Holly Tone. Yeah. Where you, you're, y'all sell one a lot of different varieties, yeah. so you have Holly Tone and Azalea Tone. Yeah. And all that, and I miss having every one of everything. But, it, I miss but there that. again, it's just the it, you know. But now there are some products that come out every year that are actually brand new products yeah. that are completely different from anything you've ever had. Right. Uh, and then some products that come out just like plant material or just an improvement of what you've had before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this case, uh, the azalea tone is well. Is, it takes the guesswork out, sure and it, it also helps the salesperson. Because if there is a bag of Holly Tone on the shelf, when a consumer's coming in, they will not think that's for Azalea's right, also. you're right. So then they would have to read the label or talk to <clears throat> you or, or somebody. So then when it's got Azalea Tone, they just grab it and know they're good. You know it's for Azalea's. Right. So like with us, we've just got like the basics of everything. So it takes more explaining and talking on that. But. Makes sense. That's why there's so many different things. Okay, one more break. Y'all just hang on. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mighty 990. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. I know it's pouring down rain out there. So all of y'all that are going to listen to the podcast later, I will say hello. There you go. I'm glad you were snuggly right now. And if you should want to shoot us a text, uh, the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening, easy way to get in touch with us. And like we said, just said, Veda, mm-hmm. you miss all of that, go back and listen to the podcast. And you've already told everybody hello on the podcast. Yeah, right. Exactly. And also the Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening USDA Zone 6. Seven eight, mm. and I don't know if nine know, is in there because I always want to say nine, and Jim looks at me. It's I like, know I got to look, Jim. You're supposed to call in and tell you know correct us how it goes. But Jim is administrator of the page. It's really good. I'm really enjoying it. He does such a great job. Thank, thank goodness we have it. it. It's true because I try to I try to follow other ones similar, and it's too hard to do because they're cutting and pasting and. And, you know, I'm like, no, if I wanted to know that, I would just looked it up and Googled it my own self. And Jim said there's over 10,000 people that have signed up. And yeah. another beautiful thing about that uh, is the that Facebook page, Veda, is uh, the file section that Jim mm-hmm. has created. And you can go to files. And, I mean, there's talk about roses and hostas and on and on and trees and shade mm-hmm. trees and flowering. I mean, it's a file of all those things. Right, right. Um, so it's, it's just a wealth of information is just really what it comes down you, to you should follow us uh, um our instagram on palladio there's palladio garden there's palladio antiques well you could follow both but palladio garden 
is where, because I post on stories every day, me or Leslie. And so stories, I like stories better than the feed. Stories are always going, but we're posting all the new stuff that comes in or what's on sale or, or just great pictures just to sit and scroll through if yeah. you're kind of bored for a minute. I mean, you showed me a couple fountains this morning that were just, you know, mind-blowing yeah. to me. Yeah. You know, I just didn't know that some of those fountains, how, how great they look. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm so used to just a fountain with, you know, like a bowl, a bowl, and the water shooting yeah. up. Right. You know, going, man, there's water shooting up the wrong way. Yeah, right, you right, know? right. <laughs> no, and it splashes yeah. out the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, we, we work really hard since we have a, a service that installs the fountains and all. Our, our service department actually will guide us if we're looking at some new styles. Yeah. Because in their installation times, there's some things that they're like, let's just not ever get this fountain again. Right. That's right. You know, just a bad design. And then there's companies. There's actually companies that we've went away from because they're designed for the flow. It's all yeah. about the flow and the splashing. That's right. And the, how easy it is to put it together. So since we have a, a service department, we get a little more intel on on how these fountains actually work. But there's so many designs now, like you said. There's classic, there's mid-century, there's modern, there's eclectic, there's there's just everything. But 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 they all there's nothing wrong with any of them. I mean, as mm-hmm. far as the, like you said, the ones that y'all pick and choose. Yeah, because yeah. you've learned which ones. Right, right. I mean, we had. I mean, it was even to the point, there was one that we had gotten in, and the customer bought it immediately. It was mm-hmm. a brand new style and all of that. And we had to keep going back and, and servicing it, and it was a bad design. Yeah. So we actually just switched out yeah. with them for another one, talked to the company, and they helped us out with it. And they've deleted the design, actually. But it, no matter what we did, it wouldn't hold water. Yeah, because of the design, yeah, of it, like you yeah, said. Yeah, so. So there's always outdoors. It's always a challenge, and that's what keeps us young. No doubt about it. And remember, you know, we had some cold weather. Remember that, Veda? About a week ago. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, rain this whole week. Uh, the rain, I sh- you know, I think it's fine. I mean, because mm-hmm. when, when the ground is frozen, it's hard for plants to take up water through their roots. In fact, they really can't do it. Yeah. And then when you get cold wind blowing across, especially evergreen leaves, you know, you get that dehydration going on. Uh, and that's where you see a lot of winter burn. Uh, and not only our trees and shrubs, but even our little bedding plants, you know, whether it's pansies or violas or whatever you had planting yeah. in your beds uh, or even in your containers. Snapdragons. Even. Yeah. yeah. And and I've noticed, especially on some of the violas, there where the plant itself looks really good, but mm. the blooms are just <laughs> toast. Yeah. And they look horrible. Uh, and even on some of the pansies. So what I would say is, you know, either do nothing because they will flush back out with more bloom, mm-hmm. or especially if they're in containers, uh, hanging baskets. You know, it's easy to go out there with a pair of scissors and just cut that those bad looking blooms off of there. Just right. clean it up. Yeah, more for aesthetic reasons mm-hmm. than anything. And they, there again, they will yeah. flush back out and start blooming again. That's something you could do today that doesn't involve. Anything well, if it's pouring down rain, no, no, but I mean sooner than later, yeah. just just for aesthetic reasons. But uh, and then you know if you hadn't fed them at all, you can still feed your pansies or your violas. I mean, you know they're still growing, uh, yeah. you know, in these mild temperatures that we've been having, and you surely want to encourage you know faster and more bloom. Um, so clean them up, I would say, feed them a little bit, and they'll be. Just fine. Be good to go. Yeah, everything's fine. This is just, we're just having a normal winter. And the snow helped insulate a lot of stuff anyway. Absolutely, you know, it so, did. So that was a good thing. Um, 
I'm really sad, though, because we had tree ferns in stock. And I got them in later like in the season. Like an Australian tree yeah, fern? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful. things. Beautiful. But won't make it here in the wintertime. Not at all. But it would make it indoors in a greenhouse, possibly. But we had everything planned out. When when the weather's going to hit and get cold, these yep. go here, this goes there, and all that. Um, so I just happened to have to get a cold, be sick. Of course When you it did. was time to I put everything it. up. So the guys, we had the plan and all, and they did fantastic. But somehow those three tree ferns got on the colder side of the greenhouse. I haven't checked. Of course, the, all the green is gone, but I wonder if the roots are going to be okay. Ah, uh, That's a hard call right there. I don't know how cold it got in the greenhouse, but it, everything was fine except for that border. And then like the windmill palm, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Nothing's wrong mm-hmm. with it. But like the, ro- is it the Robolini? Mm-hmm. That they're very cold hardy too. But they were on the wrong side of the greenhouse where the tree ferns are, and they don't look like they made it. But maybe mm. the root system's alive. I'm going to go check all that out. So then I'm going to trim them back. Now, the tree fern, I might be able to be patient enough for that to grow back out. It's You're, a quick, it's a fern. Yeah, you'll have to let me know. because but that palm. Uh, yeah, but even the, the tree ferns, you know, even in the spring and summer, you know, mm-hmm. you've got to keep that moisture around them. I mean, you cannot yeah. let those things dry out. And then, like you just said, Veda, you know, you've got to make sure that they're protected in the wintertime. Even in a greenhouse, like you're saying, they were on yeah. the cold side of the greenhouse. Yeah, they were. And even that wasn't enough protection yeah. for them. But if you've never seen or grown a tree fern, it is a fern that gets tall, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the foliage on it is, it's, it's not like your typical fern, right, like right. a Boston fern or a Kimberly fern. It's so awesome. But could it do indoors in bright light, too? They're beautiful. I'll keep y'all posted. Okay. Another break, and then we have another great hour to go. So we're looking forward to speaking with you. We'll see you in a minute. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990. Powered by Palladio Home and Garden. With your host, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. We both do, you know. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We've had a great two hours and another hour to go. And if you want to give us a call this morning, 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926. And they can always shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. And once again, we miss our co-host, Mr. Jim yep, Crowder. Right. He'll be here next weekend. And if you listen to the podcast and want to ask a question, go just pop over to the Facebook page, the uh, Mid South Garden Zone Six Seven Eight, and you can make a comment on it right there because Jim monitors it continuously. I look at it occasionally, mm-hmm. you know, in case he misses something. He never does, Mm-mm. but um, yeah, so you can not have to wait to call in or never be able to call in because you only listen to the podcast to get your answer. You can find us at Palladio, uh, Dan West, Mm -hmm. and then the Facebook page to get answers whenever. If you're listening to the podcast right now, you can just call. A lot of information out there, I'm telling you. So we were, um, I was talking about rewilding our designs. Maybe using, incorporating more natives. Yeah, more natives. Than we have been. Right. And how it's um, harder for us to kind of figure out how to do it. But there are, there's, they're starting to come up, like somebody said, if we're rewilding, we need to immediately become landscape designers. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's so hard to, to incorporate stuff like that in. Because 
with our other plants, if you didn't have a great design eye, it still wasn't bad. But with rewilding and native, you really got to have a, a just a few little guidelines to go by. For one, limited. If you're in a smaller space, now yeah. just go ahead and accept it. You're not going to get every variety you need. No. You need to have less varieties, but more of each variety of things. If you've got less space, for me, containers were the way that I got variety, like different annuals and things like that. Was placing containers around, mm-hmm. but then planting the things that really do good in the beds. So. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, smaller yeah. spaces, use less varieties. Um, then we're trying to get rid of the lawn. Some of us are. And so that's where you're, you know, the lawn would be a good transition from the lawn to a landscape or from a landscape to a lawn to a landscape. But now ground covers. Mm-hmm. And it was something I had wondered way back then. Why were we not planting ground covers under our shrubs? Because they're ground covers. And so I always wondered, why did we not do that? And I guess it was just a design thing that yeah. you know, nobody, nobody thought about. But wouldn't a juga be beautiful under azaleas? It really that's, would. Yeah, that's your ground cover. And, of course, maybe we got out of it because people would use English ivy for ground covers and it grew up through your azaleas. Anything that's viney, yeah. whether it's you know, the Asiatic jasmine, mm-hmm. the vinca minor, the ivy, anything that looks like a vine... You really don't want it incorporated with yeah, exactly. your, your shrubs because it's going to just right. get in everything. And I think that might have been where we were going, where actually there's a Juga and Creepin' Jenny and oh, Mazis, yeah. Dwarf Mondo. Oh, All yeah. those will stay in its place. Sedums, uh, Paxandra even. Yeah, so uh, using your ground covers because that way it's less mulching and you're creating an environment, again, for the whole natural species growth yeah <laughs> should i say i said that all wrong but y'all figure but, it out but it's, <laughs> yeah, but you know we do use mulch as our ground cover <laughs> yeah. you know we're on with you Veda. did you hear that yeah, water that's my water reminder <laughs> on my phone <laughs> um but i've also seen beds you mentioned creeping jenny while ago mm-hmm. uh that have a lot of that in there and it's a different look but it's a great look mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. This is a chartreuse, and then there's the green. And uh, so though, think about maybe doing that in sections, or you just have the ground cover as your quote-unquote lawn space. Mm-hmm. And uh, then <laughs> we learned a new word. You always have to have one to three forb species in bloom at one time. Forb, F-O-R-B yeah, species? Yeah, F-O-R-B. So we're like, what does they that mean? must be typo. Yeah. You know, what's a forb? Well, it's what what was the definition? It was uh, any anything kind of, any, that any herbaceous plant other than a, a grass. Yeah, yeah, that was it. And I was like, well, why don't you just say that? Yeah. <laughs> so three to four species in bloom at one time. Well, grass doesn't bloom; it plumes, but it doesn't bloom. Right. So why do we even use that word? I don't know. So, but this is a small space. But I and so I don't know what the the logic is behind only having three or four species in bloom at one time. So I'm going to kind of go, no, uh, I yeah. want 10 things in bloom. I'm not going to do that. Um, then also four feet from your sidewalk, don't plant tall, don't plant up next to your sidewalk tall things. Mm-hmm. That okay. was one, yeah. And I'm visioning, like you wouldn't do ornamental grasses real tall up against your sidewalk. But I might to block the view. 
Oh, you know? So Yeah, but I guess it's all in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. You know, everybody's landscape is different. Mm-hmm. Everybody's ideal uh, thinking of what a landscape should look like, a lot of that's different also. Yeah. So it's, it's just, you know, that's why, you know, that, that's why to a lot of people, Veda, it mm-hmm. seems really hard to landscape. Right, and what I mean right. by that is I've got an area out there, okay? Mm-hmm. There's so many different ways I can landscape that area. There's so many, so yeah. So many different shrubs I can put right. in there, so many different ground covers, whatever. But which ones am I going to mm-hmm. choose? Or and which one am I going to have someone else choose for me? Yeah. Uh, and that's what can make it, you know, almost complicated. Mm-hmm. But it's really just what you like, yeah. what looks good to you. Well, here's a way to do it. Now, they recommend, they said, employee cues to uh, show intention. Um, I will just phrase it as create destination places. See, that's what I do at first is I get like the path. Um, so maybe I'm going to over here have the bench, the bird feeder and the um, bird bath. Maybe that's going to be there. And then maybe back there is my mm-hmm. garden. And she points back, back there. there yeah. That's my garden. And over here is going to be the um, where everything smells good. Yeah. The smell good garden, possibly. Around the doors and the windows. Yeah. yeah. So you create those spaces and then you're like, okay, I'm going to put an arbor in my smell good garden. And then I'm going to put this gorgeous sculpture over here in my herb garden. Mm. And then I'll create pathways to those places, and then I can fill in those spaces. Sounds like someone that has landscaped before. Yeah, yeah. You know, because um, I was sitting here just thinking about, yeah, envisioning mm-hmm. what you were saying. I'm like, okay, that looks yeah. pretty good. And maybe you don't have it all at one time. I mean, f- because I think it's best you've got your ideas, but if you've got a limited budget or limited time, which we all have, yeah. then create one spot because sometimes you can end up having 10 spots with a few plants in it, and then you're not tending to any of them because I, it's... What about, but, you know, you were also talking about incorporating native plants. Mm-hmm. And one of the knock knocks yeah. on natives have been, well, they're boring looking. Right. You know, but you're saying that doesn't have to be the case. Yeah, right. At right. all. So maybe in my smell good garden that's kind of on the, the side, I have the mock orange, which is native. Right. And then some gardenias, which aren't. And then perennial bed, you've got some coneflowers out there, yeah. you know, and those kind of right. things. And swaths. But but you kind of have to just break it up into sections is the best way to do it. Figure out what you're wanting to do with your yard. You don't have to do it all in one time, but that'll help you develop, you know, in rooms. Maybe you can call them in rooms. Well, and like, like I've said before, you know, I like grass and I'm going mm-hmm. to have a lawn, right? Yeah. But... I've seen, and I've got customers that come in to Dan West that have, especially in their backyard, some of them even in the front mm-hmm. yard, but even in their backyard, they have no grass. Yeah. It has all been incorporated into landscape. Mm-hmm. And most of that is, most of it are perennials. Yeah. You know, these, these plants that come back every year. And they, the, most of those perennials, I, should, I mean, really, most of them are native plants mm-hmm. that they're incorporating. Yeah. Now, yeah. is it, uh, it's a great look. Uh, it's a different look, but it's uh, man, it's it's nothing wrong with yeah. it. Yeah, we'll we'll start understanding because when ornamental grasses first came out, everybody was like, "No," and I love them. And it was hard to understand how to landscape with them for real. 
And as time progressed, now we see them all over the place. They look good, and we want one, where before it was like, oh, no. Well, I'm glad you brought up natives this weekend because a lot of people are using them. And uh, to me, it's almost like there's a black eye. Mm-hmm. using natives because they're quote quote boring looking yeah, yeah. i don't think that's the case at all no the industry has been working hard on on improving that okay let's go to another break give us a call 901-260-5926 or post questions on facebook live you're listening to the mighty 990 kwam Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Oh, Kenneth, I think I caught you doing a little, little dance over there. See, I was a... looking in the monitor. I wasn't looking at you, uh, so you thought you were uh, sneaking see. You want to give us a call, 901-260-5926, or shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. Invader, one of the calls that I had this week was about fungus gnats. Mm, them old gnats. And they're just a nuisance. People hate them, yeah. which I don't blame them, it's, honestly. no. no. Because no, you just no, don't see no. one, you you usually see a thousand or ten thousand. Or there's that one. There's <laughs> that only one that is in Oof. every place you go in the house. He's there. <laughs> so what about the fungus gnats? I mean, one you don't mm-hmm. want them. I don't want them. They're yeah. just they're more of a nuisance than they are really a problem. Yeah. But I yeah. don't want a nuisance. No. And no. usually, you know, they're coming from wet. Mm-hmm. Soil, old, typically speaking, yeah, old wet compact soil, yeah, overwatered, yeah. yes, yeah. So, I mean, the first thing you do is mm-hmm. I was talking to a gentleman the other day. I said, "Look, cut back on your watering. Um, the soil is staying too wet, or the type mm-hmm. of soil that you have yeah. in your pots that is staying too it. wet. Yeah. Yeah. One way or the other, it's staying too wet." And uh, I said, "There are these things called mosquito bits." Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a BTI, I think, type variety. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you can sprinkle these uh, mosquito bits on the in the soil. Some people even dilute them in water and pour mm-hmm. uh, the BT in there. But you can sprinkle these uh, mosquito bits uh, on your soil, and it does a really good job in killing the uh, fungus gnat larvae. Okay? I'm liking those the best. Me too, and they're I'm extremely hearing, safe yeah. to use. I mean, and you read about it, Veda, yeah. a lot of people are using them for fungus gnats mm-hmm. now, even though they're great to use for uh, in water yeah. from uh, mosquito larvae also. I know, see, that's one of those that are hard to sell because it's labeled for mosquitoes. Right. But it's good for, so now they'll probably make the same thing, but Mosquito and fungus gnat yeah, control. Yeah, right, right. And then you can also get the little sticky traps, mm-hmm. you know, that you put around and you can yeah. catch a million of them out that way. But the other thing is you can actually cover the top of your soil uh, with a half inch of uh, pea gravel or perlite. Or, or sand. Anything. Yeah, yeah. Because it's that top layer of soil where they really like to, to hang out and, mm-hmm. and lay their eggs. Uh, and that's usually what is, you know, moist. Yeah. Uh, of course, you know, even right. further down low, it's, it's even wetter. But uh, fungus gnats are a big-time problem. I know people hate them. Uh, a lot of times they're just scratching their head. You know, what can I do to get rid of these things? And like I said, I was talking to a gentleman the first part of the week, and he had them, and he had mm-hmm. them bad. Oh. And I said, you know, do these do these three things. Cut back on that moisture, mm-hmm. for sure. Use the mosquito bits uh, in the uh, in the soil. All you do is sprinkle them in there and water it in. Or like I said, you can dilute it with water mm-hmm. and pour it in there. And um, you know, put the sticky traps up. And uh, if you're if you do that for a couple of weeks, yeah, you'll get rid of them. Right. I promise you, you will. Yeah, you will. Yeah, I love the bits though. I'm going with that one too. So we've got bits, 
sticky traps and and cut back on that water yeah cut back and on, then they did, the you thing. mentioned a lot of times it's the soil it's not mm-hmm. that we're over watering it's the type of soil that we're using it's holding too much water yeah and there's some good potting medians out there and there's some that are not so good mm-hmm. and a lot of ones to me that are not so good are the ones that are heavy they yeah. just hold too much water uh it's really just 99.9 percent peat mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah. and and so if that's the case this spring, uh, you might think about repotting these containers mm-hmm. and using a really a better potting soil. Right, right. Yeah, because you know, we have one that's four indoor yeah. containers. They're, they're making those now. But one of them I feel like is a little too light. So I actually get um, a smaller bag of worm castings and mix with that. And that just gets it a little more substance and sure. water holding capacity because this one's just too light, just drains out too fast. And sometimes that's not good either. Well, and like you said, you know, what is a good potting soil? Well, like you just said, some of the potting soils, they they hold no moisture at all. Water just runs right through it, almost like a bark-based topsoil. Yeah. And then there's some that are have way too much peat or whatever or, you know, a water holding capacity to it. And they just hold way too mm-hmm. much water. A really good one is one that actually holds moisture but drains at the same time. Yeah. And people are like, well, how can you have both? Well, you can, believe right, it or not. Right, you can, yeah. So there are some uh, soils out there that are better than others. But when it comes down to it, though, keep the, these plants moist, not wet. Use the BT mm-hmm. bits. And uh, if you want to, put up some of the sticky traps uh, to catch the adults that are flying around. Yeah. And I promise you, you will get rid of these dang fungus gnats. Right, because I don't want you to not have the enjoyment of indoor plants because of fungus gnats because i do read stories or hear people that are saying i'm never doing indoor plants again because of this when in reality mm-hmm. that's that's not the norm like you said it was the bad soil or watered too much and there are things to help yeah that- and then there are also drain flies you know that actually come out yeah. of a wet you know drain uh-huh. um you know, but you've got bacteria that's down there. Mm-hmm. You got moisture, of course, that's down there. Yeah. And there's a million different ways you can read how to, you know, flush your pipes. I've mm-hmm. heard of uh, baking soda yeah. and vinegar yeah. and baking soda and water yeah. and you dawn know. liquid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so I've I've heard of all that. But um, you know, most of the time, though, when you do have these fungus nests, they're actually coming from soil mm-hmm. pots, not so much the drain, right? Unless it's a fruit fly. <laughs> coming from the fruit that you put in your plant to fertilize it because something online said to put a banana in your house plant yeah of course lay that banana peel on top of that pot soil and you know let it just break down within you actually get fungus gnats and and fruit fly that way too so oh my goodness now i'm actually about to have an african violet bloom i i'm never i'm too impatient for things like that is how it goes (laughs) But oh, that's funny. I, I got it last year, maybe late spring, did all its blooming and everything, kept it in this place. Um, I, I watered it from the top because it was in a pretty container and I was just using it for like a quick, nice. Because typically you water them from the bottom because right. you usually want to try to keep the water off the foliage of yeah. these African violets. Right. Well, <clears> so <throat> what I do is just put it out, pull it out of that container and get the tap water and just kind of raise the leaves and let it water that way. Got it. But it stayed in this location forever and ever and ever. And um, time for Christmas. Time to put a poinsettia there. So I moved the African violet into the other room where it is getting 
more light, mm-hmm. but then I'd put it in another container and start watering it from the bottom. Then I watered with some tea one time. I watered with some rice water one time. Hold on, when you say tea, you mean like the tea that I've been drinking? Tea, okay. Yeah, tea. Not sugar. I don't drink sugar tea. Now, did you do that for a reason or yeah, just? Be- yeah, two things was like kind of experiment. Tea has okay. some nutrients sure. in it, okay. a little bit in it, and um, also rice water has nutrients in it too. But the combination is now I've got little buds coming out. It's getting ready to bloom. The foliage is gorgeous. I did pinch some of the big foliage off to make it a little bit smaller plant and to to provide more nutrients to the thing, to the plant. But the thing was, is I never changed the soil or never fertilized Mm -hmm. and just kind of let it really didn't do anything. So then when I moved it to more light, started watering it from the bottom and added just a little bit of nutrients from that. Now it's going to bloom again, but I am next time going to add some organic nutrients and all that because that tea and stuff's not going to be enough to get that soil right and all. Well, African violets are one of those things where they are beautiful when they're blooming. Mm -hmm. And I don't know anybody that can grow them. Now, my (laughs) wife's mother Uh had a window installed like Mm -hmm. a bay window installed that had shelves on it for houseplants. In her case, it was for African violets. Right. And she could really grow those things. And I'm telling you, and there's even like an African violet society. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So don't think that you can't grow them because people, there are people that know how Mm -hmm. to grow these things. It's just being impatient with them is what it is. Same thing with an orchid, you know, or or even Thalanopsis. If you're, you know, when we buy them, they're in full bloom. They look great and they bloom for quite a while. Right. And then usually after they bloom, we get rid of them Mm -hmm. because we're not patient enough to, which can take up to a year, you know, for these things to come back and bloom again. But if you are patient, Veda, you will. will. Yes. And don't, you know, like when they're finished blooming, you have that long stem. Don't prune that long stem off. It'll actually bloom off that long stem again, unless that stem's turning brown. Right. If it starts dying back, then you can go down there to that first node and cut it right there. The foliage is beautiful. You can put it in a uh, combination indoor pot. So you'll still have the beautiful foliage, but then you would have other types of uh, houseplants to you know, go with that. (laughs) And I've talked to people when it comes to houseplants. Some people don't want a houseplant that blooms. Yeah, they don't want to deal with it. They yeah. just want houseplants that have beautiful green mm-hmm. foliage, and even those have the ability to bloom. Yeah. Believe it or not, and sometimes you'll see a houseplant bloom that you've never seen right. bloom before. <laughs> but uh, I'm telling you, some a lot of people don't. They are not there for the bloom. They're there mm-hmm. just for the foliage of the plant. Yeah, and I, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Well, it's like I've made this. Um, I like compost piles because. I hate to throw out those quick little blooming plants that I get. You know, I get them for indoors for some quick happy, but some of them, you know, by the time they need to go outside, it's still not warm enough to take them out. And you're like, ah. So (laughs) compost piles for that, because that way it can compost down and I can still use what I bought. And I don't feel like, you know, I'm just throwing it in the landfill. Um, But yeah, you buy, sometimes people buy the the blooming stuff just for like a month worth of blooms. And then it goes to the... Yeah, but but to them, though, when the thing isn't blooming, it's not it's, oh, really yeah. an attractive right, plant, right. even though it really is. That's where it comes in with having an attractive container. Oh. You know, that. so where you, you buy a pretty container and you've got your plant in there and it looks all good together. But then when it's not blooming and maybe it's just the green foliage, the container takes over. <laughs> like for orchids. It makes sense. Yeah, like for orchids, if you get an actual orchid pot... 
that are really pretty, then it's not so bad if the orchid's not blooming. I have to agree with you. All right, y'all, hang on. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. That sounds like uh, band music for the game, <laughs> but it's not. No. It's you, for the gardening. Give us a call, 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926, or you can always shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, yeah. Mid-South Gardening. We were talking about fungus gnats a while ago mm-hmm. and the way to get rid of them. But not only fungus gnats fade at this time of year, a lot of insects want to come indoors. <laughs> Can't blame them. It's wet outside. It's cold outside, below freezing. Yeah. So um, if you're having a problem with insects trying to come in the house, whether mm-hmm. it's up under the door frames or the window, you know, yeah. whatever, uh, and you don't want to call a, an exterminator, uh, there are some DIY things you can do yourself. Um there's a uh, high-yield product, I think it's called Killabug 2, that's got delta methrin in it. It's just in a ready-to-use product, very safe to use indoors, but use it accordingly. You know, you can use it around the baseboards, up under the sink, around the window frame, so forth. And it's got a really good residual uh, on this product. Mm-hmm. And then there's the high-yield indoor-outdoor broad-use insecticide. That's a 10% permethrin is all yeah. it is. And the same thing, you can make a solution to that, and you can spray that in the same areas. But there are some insecticides, not many, mm-hmm. but there are some insecticides that you can typically find that you can use indoors yeah. safely, even if you've got pets. But you need to make sure, like anything else, read the label, understand what you're doing, mm-hmm. keep up everybody off until it's dry. Um, so you, uh, can, you, know, you can get rid of a lot of those insects that are can. trying to come inside. You can. But there's no reason to get rid of a cricket or a millipede or a spider. You don't need to get rid of those. They have things. They, they keep your Not insights. too many people think that way, mate. I promise you. Oh, And a cricket. Man. Have you ever heard a cricket chirp when you're Inside. trying to sleep? Yes. And it yes. will penetrate a wall, I'm telling you. And you're like, I'm going to get Where out of this bed. It? I'm going to get this flashlight. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to find that cricket. And then they get quiet while you're around. And then you go back you upstairs and it starts all, all yeah. over again. I know. I love it. I love it. Hey, you know what? I was looking at um, messing, messing with people's minds, especially new gardeners, are these AI drawings of plants. Yeah. I mean, sometimes AI is hard to tell that it's actually AI. Mm-hmm. And if you're a plant person, you can look and go, no. Yeah. It's just that this plant will not do that. But well, is an AI drawing, I mean, I think there are some benefits of using that, though, mm-hmm. to create landscapes and everything else. Yeah. But you're right. A lot of these things that, that are AI produced, they mm-hmm. look real, but... Yeah, so someone's coming in with a picture <laughs> wanting this calathea... That has these colors right. that is not ever in nature right. at all. Not going to happen. And they're trying to convince them this is not a real picture. Yeah. But it's so, and there's some things that are AI that I actually have to look up and go, wait, is there a plant that looks like that? Right. And then you start looking, you're going, no, I knew that was AI. So kind of. But I wonder why they're doing that, though. I mean, you're seeing pictures of 
plant material mm-hmm. that's, that does, doesn't even exist. Right. I, well, you know, it's one thing, like Jim says, the writers don't know. But right. this was what we, I was going through a list of houseplants to use. There was a picture of a real houseplant with the name, and that was all good. And we went down a few of those. Then there was a picture of a calathea, mm. but it was an AI drawing of a calathea, so right. there was never one. And then we went down, and there was another name of a plant, but it was also an AI drawing. And I'm going, okay, people are coming in wanting these. And then you go down, and then it's a regular. And so are these like, are like in a magazine? Yeah, or yeah, yeah. So it's like they were searching the internet world for pictures to use in their articles, and they didn't even know that wasn't a real calathea. So they put it in there as being a real calathea. Uh, so there's a number of things that it's But really it makes you tell. go, hold on, I'm, I'm not familiar with this yeah. one at all, yeah. so let me do a little research. Uh-huh, some and then you find it. out that, no. Or they're drawn so perfect. Yeah. So perfect, and nature is not so perfect like yeah, that. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, so kind of kind of discern between some of it at times, because it's hard to tell. Now, are there any houseplants that, you know, hate to, to beat up on any particular houseplant, mm. right? Because they all have a space in someone's home, and they're all, to someone, yeah. absolutely beautiful. Vader, are, are there some that you just, you know, I've tried it, mm-hmm. I can't do it, not going to do it. You know, don't recommend mm. it. Um, well, there are plants that now I will ask what level of a gardener they are okay. indoors. You know, and maybe we'll go these versus those. Um, because a, a beginner, you know, you want a just a pothos or yeah. a snake plant or just a right. philodendron. Philodendron, or, yeah. You know, or... But then, now there's 55,000 <laughs> philodendrons, and some of them are very rare. If, where you used to go, oh, for di- philodendron takes anything. It doesn't right. matter, sun, shade, right. you know, not a lot of water, tons of water. But now there's, like, I have these philodendrons that are like $500, and you can't treat them right. like your typical philodendrons, Good too. Lord. So then you have to do a whole different thing. But say, like, at first, for me, you know how beautiful the Rex begonias are. Oh, yeah. So gorgeous. And um, they do good indoors, but we I couldn't make them do good indoors. It was so disappointing because they were beautiful. The whole thing was is you just keep them moist. Mm-hmm. Don't let them go dry and then mm-hmm. water them. Don't let them be soppy wet. They just have to be moist. They can go to almost dry. So that's where you use your moisture meter until you learn that Well, plant. and then also, like I was saying, you know, we were talking about houseplants earlier. You know, you can also try to buy houseplants that like the same thing. Yeah. Especially when it comes to moisture. Mm -hmm. Especially for people that are going to water once every week or once every 10 days, which most people do that. Yeah. You know, so I guess there's different ways you can get around it, but there's Mm -hmm. so many houseplants on the market now. Yeah. It's it's mind-boggling. It is. I learned out of just because of our innate wanting to water – I had this one um, area where it's plants that needed water frequently, more frequently. Then I had one cactus sitting in amongst all those. So I know not to water the cactus, but maybe once a month. But since I'm watering all these others more often, mm-hmm. I kind of lose track. And I'm going, oh, just a little drip. Oh, yeah, just a little drip. Well, I ended up overwatering it, <laughs> even though I knew not to, but it was in the watering section. Right. And so then I realized that was what was happening in the garden centers. 
that the people that were watering these plants were hitting these a little too much. So when I moved cactuses way over here and the high waters over here, the cactus problems didn't have problems anymore. Well, you're exactly right. And when you ever ask a, a customer, uh, I was talking to a lady the other day. She was in the garden center buying some houseplants. And I asked her, I said, well, how many houseplants do you have? And I got this stare, like this blank <laughs> look, like she didn't know. Well, you know. And then she started laughing. She says, probably too many. Yes. So when they don't know even an idea of how many houseplants they have, mm-hmm. you know, they've got a ton of them. And people really do enjoy them. It's, it's almost like it's their indoor babies, you yeah. know? Yeah, it is. It um, really is. And, and then, you know, there are some people that even have shelves built uh-huh. that they didn't used yeah. to have just for these houseplants. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's and, so awesome. Well, and she told me, she's got them moved around to, she said, where I I, I, I like where I have them now. Mm-hmm. So you know that she's been kind of playing with them. Yeah. You know, and moving them around, seeing what she likes. But I, I, when I got that blank stare, when I asked her <laughs> how many houseplants she had, I knew that she had a yeah. bunch of them, you know? You know, I actually had an experience the, uh, around the holidays about how plants are alive. <laughs> The, the way it was, it was in the holidays, I was in my uh, study where I have all the plants and everything because I don't have them all through the house. Yeah. It's in the study. And throughout Christmas time, and Philip was out with his girls, they were doing Christmas stuff. You know, they're going to be gone all day. Uh, my son and granddaughter weren't able to come down. So you had Christmas. the quiet time. To yeah. So I had the quiet the time. Everything's all set. But then I'm, I'm standing in my study and all of a sudden I felt kind of sad. Huh? You know, do you know how things happen? You just all of a sudden get the blues a little bit. And I'm like, well, it's the holidays and here I am by myself. And even though I love the quiet time, you know, they're doing this, they're doing that. And I was kind of like, huh. And then I looked over at my plant stand and I was like, oh, but my plants are alive and they're my buddies. Oh, God. So you started. I seriously <laughs> had this epiphany of, wait, I've got all this energy of plants and something to do with them. And immediately I was out of you it. You felt better. My plants. I was like, wow, that was one where it just kind of slapped you in the face. Well, that's what they're there for, to make us feel that better. Is, you know, I, they look good, but they're supposed to make us feel Maybe better the also. the air wasn't cleaner because of it, because I didn't have enough. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. But it made me happy. Did its job. <laughs> yeah. It's all that matters. <laughs> So anyway, let's run to a break real quick, and then we'll go over, recap some of our stuff, and yep. then it'll be time to go in the garden, or like Jamie said, it's we have excuse to stay not in the garden and oh, not just, feel guilty. Yeah, you can roll back over today and not feel guilty. Yeah, that's right. We'll be right back. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. You know, we haven't talked much about our little birdies. It's funny. You know, we were talking about birds and bird seed mm-hmm. uh, last weekend yeah. on, the, on the show, and we were talk, telling people... In my opinion, I think it's worth to spend a few dollars more to get a good quality bird seed than just mm-hmm. the cheapest thing you can yeah. get your hands on. Because the birds eat most of it. Yeah, and, but the good thing is you're feeding the birds anyway. Yeah, so, right. But yeah. my wife was listening to us last weekend uh, talking about feeding the birds. And remember we said one of the things that you don't want to use in the wintertime mm-hmm. is bread, remember? Right. And We're I'm like, oh, what? I've done that forever. <laughs> but they said bread will fill up a bird, no doubt about it, but it has no nutrient value yeah. to it. It. So you don't want to use bread in the wintertime to feed your birds. You want to use a good uh, bird seed. Anyway, my wife, was um, she heard us talking about that. Well, she's mm-hmm. like, we need a bird feeder. Yeah. You know, we've always had a hummingbird feeder hanging on a shepherd hook right there by the big kitchen window. Mm-hmm. There's a hanging basket on one side. There's a hummingbird feeder on the other. Okay. And she's like, we need a bird feeder. Before I got home, she assumed that that's what we would both want, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I'm fine with that. So she went and got a bird feeder, and she got some bird seed, mm-hmm. and it's all fine and good. But my thing is, I think it might be a little close to the <laughs> kitchen window. I mean, like are they hummingbirds will go anywhere? Yeah. I mean, they'll come up and and feed and not a problem. Mm-hmm. Oh, like the maybe the reflection for the yeah, birds or running and, into you the know, window. And of course, you know whether it's a blue jay or a red bird uh-huh. or, or whatever that might be coming up to this feeder because the seed in there's got a lot of sunflower and a lot of other seed that mm-hmm. will attract a lot of different types of birds. Yeah. But I'm thinking with the curtains always up or the mm-hmm. shade is always up, we're sitting there. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to see if they, if, they, if that's going to work. It might be too close. Secondly, <laughs> this thing is hanging right above uh-huh. this boxwood. Right. And I just know when those birds get in there and start scratching uh-huh. around, you know, bird seed comes out of the bird feeder. Yeah. It falls to the ground. And a lot it's of times germinate. you get germination. Because <laughs> I know thinking, that, you know, the expensive bird seed doesn't germinate as much as the the cheaper kind, right. but it still right. has some germination. Any and seed has the chance to so germinate. you're not liking it there because you're going to be the one under the boxwoods pulling the weeds. Hands and knees. I'm going to be laying there in the springtime pulling those, that stuff out of there. But really, my, I'm serious. I mean, we'll we'll see if it's if it is too close. I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, we've. I've had bird feeders yeah. towards the back of the property, right? even closer to the woods. So there's birds back there all the time mm-hmm. eating on those feeders. But we've never had a bird feeder other than the hummingbird feeder, honestly, yeah. this close to the house, this well, close to the window. It would kind of be like a tree being close to the house and the birds sitting on the yeah, tree. Maybe. Possib- maybe that's a good way to keep birds from flying into the window because they go to the food before they and I have the window. Seen, yeah, and I have seen you know these bird feeders that have suction cups on it that just stick yeah. right to the window and i guess you get birds in those so i'm just gonna watch the the bird feeder slide down the window because yes. i never can get those like so well, we'll, i'll let you know i'll keep you posted on whether i it's, it's too close to the big window in the mm-hmm. kitchen or i'll also keep you posted on if there's any germination going yeah. on down below this thing right above the uh the boxwood right. so yeah okay, I mean, we'll see. it's an experiment to me anyway mm-hmm. they're uh Philip's mom had texted me, and she was like, "I have never lived there, and like out needs for thirty years, and on the property." And uh, she sent me a picture of these two cedar trees that are just stripped of the bark. And she said the squirrels are, are stripping the bark and rolling it up. I've seen them strip bark on Japanese maples. Yeah. I've seen them do it on cedars, like you're yeah. talking about. And she's like, "But why now, after the thirty years?" And I thought. Oh, does that mean we're fixing to get another weather event that they're going for more insulation? I mean, I think when they start stripping the bark, they're using it for their houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, sometimes when they're gnawing on the bark, I think they're doing it just to sharpen their teeth yeah. for something else. But you would think they <laughs> already have their the houses moisture. built. I guess they're so maybe they're insulating. Maybe adding houses. a room to it. Yeah, yeah. Are we going to have a cold? Or? But what do you do, though, if a squirrel is stripping your bark off of your tree? <gasps> Would it kill a cedar, though? I wonder. I mean, if you strip enough you bark enough. all the way around, it could, it could do some what damage. Could you possibly, if they just started, if they've done it all day, then I don't think there's anything to do to, to like, save the tree. But otherwise, <clears throat> Tanglefoot? Do I mean, they still some, sell Tanglefoot? Yeah, there's some Tanglefoot, which is a real sticky, sticky product mm-hmm. you can put on there that they would surely wouldn't want to get into. Yeah. There's some predators, uh, like you can put an owl with a bobbing mm-hmm. head out yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, of course, there's always the old pellet gun, depending on where yeah, you live. No kidding. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not an easy thing. And then there's, you know, traps. Mm-hmm. Now, some people, honestly, they'll say they'll put up 
you know, a squirrel feeder to keep them away from everything else. Yeah. But in this case, they're not eating that bark. They're peeling yeah, the bark. Yeah, they're feeling it, right. Mm. I don't know. So this will be interesting. I said, did you follow it? <laughs> Where's it going? <laughs> I'm so curious now. Yeah, yeah, you can, there's some live animal traps, like the have a heart traps, mm-hmm. that you can try to trap that thing. Uh, yeah. And man, it's okay if you trap the squirrel. Just eat it, and I won't feel bad. <laughs> teach them how to swim. Uh, <laughs> but there's some, uh, I mean, they, if it wasn't for the varmints, I'm telling you, think It'd about it. easy. Man, but you know, like, there's a lot of predators for squirrels, but with us being urbanized or suburbanized and all, then we lose the squirrel predators because we're scared of the squirrel it's predators. It's funny you brought that up because I'm seeing more owls, more hawks, Good. more falcons out there than I mm-hmm. ever have. Thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, because if you want to try to keep this population down, I mean, we need those predators out and there. And snakes. We need snakes, too. They're predators. So you've just lost my wife right there. I know, but still. They're not hanging out in your lawn chairs normally. They're going to be... <laughs> You know, and somewhere, but not there. <laughs> You're right, Beta. Before we go, uh, I know we're getting toward the end of the show. Let's just say this one more time. Memphis Area Master Gardeners present yeah. uh, a better way to garden, seasonal garden information. This is February the 17th from 9 to 12 at Lichterman Nature Center, which is at 5992 Quince Road. Uh, and like you said, Beta, in the first hour is try to bring in a condiment, if you yeah. will, uh, and they're going to restock the Collierville Food Bank. Yeah, that's what they're doing with good. that. So that'd be great. And we got two speakers, Jason Powell, uh, Petals from the Past, mm-hmm. uh, Survivors in the Garden. That yeah. was going to be his topic, which I think is going to be great. And then Dr. Jared Barnes, Perennials with a Southern Flair. Yeah, that sounds great. Also, the Botanic Gardens, they're redoing one of the gardens, and they're looking for like old garden art, like concrete mm-hmm. pieces, um, like, what was it, gargoyles or broken pieces of bird What bath. about the gnomes? The gnomes, you know, the, yeah. yeah. I mean, they don't have to be brand new, great looking. I think it's going to be like a, just an older, you know, an antique looking garden. So if you have anything to donate, you can take it up there. Yeah, and then real quick, you know, the six-part series of Garden Talks, uh, events by the Bartlett City Beautiful uh, Gardening University. Um, today is going to be Tom Ryman, The Art of Espalier. And I'm telling That's you, man, good. you can do some, it's, it's almost like creating a sculpture yeah. with live tissue. Yeah, that's true. That's what you're it doing. Is. Yeah, it's a good way to put that. You know, yeah. and that's at the uh, at the Bartlett Public Library at 5884 Stage Road. Uh, and then there's three more after this. You got on February the 3rd, there's Curb Appeal, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty cool with yeah. Kim Hayek. Y'all have had Kim mm-hmm. up here before. Uh, February the 10th is maintaining a flower bed. Like we said before, you can always create a flower bed, but then you need to know how to maintain <laughs> that thing. That's it, exactly. And then February the 17th is the uh, backyard chickens, which I think if you're <laughs> ever going to have chickens, you need to know what you're doing. Yeah. This is not one of these trial and error things because <laughs> you can have a bunch of dead chickens on your head. Right. <laughs> but uh, backyard chickens, that's with Joni um, Bailey, and that's on February the 17th. So... Some really good topics, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, you know, coming yeah. up. There is, and there's so much. Because I know today is one of the days where you scroll through your phone or, or whatever. So check out, like, all your favorite garden centers. Um, look at their Instagrams or their websites. Or stick your head in the door. Yeah, that's for sure, too. You can have a lot of fun that way. And like, uh, a, and like I said, we, we at Dan West on Popper, we still got some bulbs. Not a lot, but we st- the bulbs we have look great. Some daffodils yeah. and tulips and a few minor bulbs. And even some paper whites. Mm-hmm. And some yeah, amaryllis, like you're talking about. Yeah. And of course, they're on big time sales right now. Right, I mean, right. really, 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 <laughs> really good prices. Good sales, yeah. yeah. I'm going to be, I think I'm going to do some plantings today indoors, like create some 
I'm going to work on a terrarium, maybe. Yeah, you should. Yeah, and I, you said maybe you're going to create an orchid uh, in a, yeah, a pot with some the, good sheet moss on top right, of it. With that pretty pot yeah. that it looks good into. But, like, I actually, I was looking for terrarium tools, but they're actually, I found them under aquarium tools. Because it's really? the same principle. Okay. One's in soil, one's in water. Gravel. So, like, some long tweezers and some long... Um, uh, tweezers, scoops, yeah, rakes. scoops, all that kind of stuff. One thing that I see terrarium people use is like paintbrushes to clean off the dirt on the inside. Well, it didn't have that, but I want to find some really good terrarium tools to to share with everybody to retail. But today I what, might play with the terrarium. And how too. easy are terrariums? I mean, I've well, seen them. I've never had yeah, one myself. They're they're really easy. You need the tools if you're using really cool bottles and things. That's what you need the tools for to reach down in there. I gotta do longer some research hands. on those. <laughs> Did you longer hands? Uh, terrarium hands. All right, y'all. We'll see you next Saturday in the Mid South Garden.